Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. As always, I'm joined by my co hosts, Ben and Evan. We've got to shout out our longtime sponsor, Radar Toys, right here in Eugene, Oregon. I'm going to pick up my third book of three Jokers this week. I can't wait. You can go to RadarToys.com, get collectibles with free shipping in the U.S., and save 10% using the code BATFANPOD. All right? Today, we're going in deep. This is our longest episode yet. It was almost four hours before I cut this shit down to make it palatable. We're going to talk about the good and the bad of Christopher Nolan's epic conclusion, The Dark Knight Rises. I've got one square left for BFA Bingo. What new stuff did you have? Well, I'll just read them off real quick. I got so, switch names, forget to introduce ourselves, call back to a past episode, Evan loves Schumacher. Let's get nuts. Incorrectly, I'm sure. Sam corrects someone. That goes right with that. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not know that was next. <laughs> Earth One reference. Dick jokes. Edgelord Joker. Batman voice impression. Anime reference. Star Trek. Gang up on Evan. Ben thinks he's right and isn't. I reference music. Evan Pease. Riley Barks. Frank Miller. White Knight, I Get Mad, and then Sam says fuck too much. So we have one more square, and then we have a complete BFA bingo. Did anyone watch this week's movie? <laughs> I didn't really want to. You didn't want to? Oh, man. Still had a bad taste in your mouth, huh? Yeah. All right, well, sorry, Ben. This is The Dark Knight Rises, 2012, directed by Chris Nolan, written by Jonah and Chris Nolan, Story by Chris Nolan and David S. Goyer. This is Evan's favorite part, starring Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Gary Oldman, Anne Hathaway, Tom Hardy, the worst Talia, I'm not even going to say her name, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Morgan Freeman. Plus, we got to shout out Ben Mendelsohn because he killed it as John Daggett and isn't technically part of the main cast list. And as always, music by Hans Zimmer. Yeah, I really brought this movie together. I thought, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of weaknesses that I shored up, and I think it's Marion Cotillard. I don't think it's not Cotillard, but Cotillard. Yeah, I was hung up on that as I came to it, and then I was like, you know what? You're my least favorite part of this movie. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to get it wrong. Wow. To you, sir. Okay. Yeah, dude. Wow. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. My least favorite part. Oh, really? Joseph Gordon-Levitt has the worst death scene in the history of blockbuster cinema? Hmm. I don't That's remember that part. It's not her fault. She's solid for the rest of it. Uh-huh. Why was it not a good death scene? Did she just fall just over? Jump, jump right to the end. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't sold on her slumping over? Or what? Wait, wait. Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> she bites the big one, and Sam doesn't think it looks real. Are you kidding? No one on Earth, like, uh, what? I mean, I've seen a lot of people die right before my eyes, and it's pretty good. Okay. You walk up, and they're already just in position. Yeah. And then they stop talking. 
they just go to sleep, like for ever. It's not right, is it? What do you think it looks like? You close your eyeballs. I don't know. That has sort of a high school play quality to it. Well, you didn't go to the Sam Wharton B School of Acting, that is for sure. That's what pisses me off, though. She has an Oscar and still did that. Well, I think about, especially at the end where there's some big close-ups of her, and I think of directors and, like, at least part of the casting, I have to think is, like, they're going, this is a person I want to stare at closely for weeks at a time. She was in Inception, too, so he's cast her before. He's just like, I really like her, and I want her to be in my movie. Fair enough. I mean, you work with your friends and people you respect. I don't know. I just... We'll get to the end problems when we get to the fucking end. Yeah, I, I just don't buy her as a dead person. <laughs> I forgot that you like the corniest, worst things, and so it, to, to you, that would be like, wow, that was really powerful. <laughs> I, no, I, I, honestly, I didn't think anything of it. That whole thing to me was kind of anticlimactic anyways, and I didn't think anything about her like sucking on her collarbone. Uh, <laughs> that it didn't really, yeah, it didn't strike me either way. Well, just Google it after this episode and you'll see what I mean. It's famously bad. Huh. So with this movie, obviously they could not continue with the Joker we talked about. Why? Joker's final scene in The Dark Knight. Shut up, Ben. What happened? How he's hanging upside down. It's like, you know, you and me, we're destined to do this forever. And, you know, like just how sad that was to watch, knowing that that is not going to ever happen again. When I said forever. I mean, for the next two or three minutes. Not that long. Yeah. Not that long, actually. You know, Nolan's uh, workaround was to set this eight years in the future and have no mention of the joker at all it starts with a uh, dense eulogy given by gordon after the uh sequence that we'll talk about then goes to harvey dent day eight years later and so it's definitely tied to the the last film but it's not hanging on it the whole time necessarily it's not a super direct through line which is good what i the dark knight stand on its own yes it does have connective tissue there but it what it tries to do is circle back to the beginning and tie in with begins a lot. Do you guys know, or how long do you think Batman was Batman? Because it makes it seem like he stopped after the stuff with Joker and Two Face. Yeah. How long do you think he's trying to propose that he actually was even Batman? It couldn't have been more than a year or two. I mean, practically thinking, if you're looking at those scenes of of like, oh, the Scarecrow shit, and then the Joker yeah. shit, that's like a month. But I think they intend to make it feel longer than that. By the time he gets to the point where he is going to be Batman again, and he goes to the doctor, the amount of damage that he is proposing makes yeah. it sound like he's been doing it for like 30 years of Batman, not one year of Batman or yeah. a couple it's, of years of Batman. Come on, we did two movies worth of action, guys. That's a lot. Zero cartilage. You have no kneecaps. I thought of it two ways. I had that same thought when I saw that scene again. First is that I don't necessarily think he stopped right after the whole Joker Two-Face thing. I think that's like the beginning of the end because it takes him a while to get the Dent Act in effect and it takes him a while to have all those criminals rounded up. So I imagine he's still Batman for a little while after that. And then the other half of that is that this being a more realistic Batman, it's like if he's getting in a car wreck every night 
it only takes a few <laughs> nights of that before your body's all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense in actual human world. I think we're used to observing a character who's existed for decades and decades. A hundred uh, years. Yeah. With not a ton of mention of like lack of elbows and stuff. Um, <laughs> It just seemed like, I don't know, that amount of wear and tear seemed more conducive to a person who's been doing it for a longer amount of time. Because, I mean, if that's the case and that's how your body was going, you weren't destined to be Batman for all that long anyways. He really needed Harvey Dent to save his knees. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, the reason I really believe in you is all this water (laughs) on the knees. They had some, like, Peter Griffin scenes where, you know, he comes back to the Batcave and just... (laughs) I think they could have used your quote there for the poster or the jacket on the DVD of like, kind of like The Dark Knight, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it, it's still good. I haven't watched this one in a while, and I haven't watched it nearly as many times as the other two. It's still really fun. I like it a lot. I'm yeah. on board for the ride. Well, I've good. I've watched it one other time. Really? Yeah. You've seen this one time prior to this? Yep. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Sam has watched this like 50 times and every time he pauses on Marion Cotillard's destiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's why it means more to him because he's really pissed. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't want you guys to know how much I'm invested in it. And <laughs> and like, I know everyone else thinks it's dumb, so I got to make a big show about me not liking it. Yeah, okay. That's, that's You're cool, sense. dude. Yeah. yeah. I just want to fit in. Pander to the people. That's what I always do. That's why I'm so <laughs> successful in my music career. <laughs> So, do you guys remember before the movie came out, it was kind of like 89. People were buying tickets to go see a movie just so they could see the trailer for Batman because it was like some exciting shit, right? But with this one, they put up that seven-minute scene with Tom Hardy in the plane from the opening of the film. And it was like a big deal that like, oh yeah, this movie is way more IMAX and it's practical stunts and it's in the air it's crazy and it's real like do you guys remember seeing that ahead of time Mm-mm. were they putting it on the end of movies no or was it, it was like a, it was a trailer yeah you know they'll put like the uh you know like a little featurette and then the trailers you know so well, it was kind of the... again for tenant oh really they showed like a five minute one scene on its own before like star wars or something that's cool <laughs> But yeah, I, I just remember when that happened, uh, being really excited, and that's when complaints started happening that like that scene was awesome, but I couldn't understand what the fuck he was saying through the mask, and so that's when Tom Hardy had to go back and redub every line in the movie. They weren't going to have overdubs at first? No, the original, you can find it online, I'm sure, because you used to be able to, but the original version, um, he's just doing it through the mask. It's pretty hard to understand with all the plane noise and shit going on. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, the delivery is a little different, obviously, being like a year removed from filming those scenes. Um, uh, I want to know why you're leaving on before you threw him from the plane. 
what a villain. We talked about on the last one the way we opened introducing the Joker, right? This movie does a tremendous job again of the way that we are introduced to both Selena and Bane's characters. There's no overdub of somebody going like, hey, you guys see Bane? Yeah, Bane's over there. The boss is going to go talk to him. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, you watch, guys. <laughs> Whose idea was Bane's voice? Tom Hardy was basing it on some, like... Sean Connery. Gypsy... No, it was a very specific, like... Because he said, you know, obviously... Santa Prisca, he's got these Latin roots, but also I wanted it to be less obvious, and so he chose like a very specific, weird, it's like Spanish gypsy person that he modeled it after. Interesting. It just sounds British, some kind of British. Which is why I, when I was watching this, I thought my ideal voice, and maybe even actor, to be more like the comic book version, Javier Bardem. Hmm. The way he his voice, like it's deep. He has a Spanish accent. He can do menacing and brooding. He's I don't, I don't think he's necessarily a big guy. Like because Tom Hardy's not really a big guy either. But just that's how I hear Bane in the comics. But I don't really have any problem with this voice. I like it, and I think it's no, the same purpose. Yeah, I think it's I don't iconic. Have a problem with it at all. I think that he he comes across as sounding intelligent. And I think that that's the biggest thing because I picture him as being a really smart guy, despite the fact that he spent all this. Well, in the book, he he read a lot of books, so that makes sense. I don't get the feeling that the prison in the movies has a lot of literature to read. But the one, but the one in Nightfall does have a lot of books for him to read. That part's cool, and that makes sense. And I don't have a problem with his voice. It just isn't how I imagined it. I just wondered who tossed that out there in the first place. Yeah, I think that's all him, and it's just a great, great fucking villain intro. It's exactly the same as Joker in that he's disguised in the beginning and then revealed, and then when he does, he's got these iconic lines, you know, like the, that would be extremely painful for you, you know, and... For you? Yeah, exactly, like... I love the, uh, I'm just wondering why you would shoot a man before throwing him at a plane. Yep. You know, he's not scared, he knows that he's trying to trick him. Yeah, that action scene is amazing. It's an amazing set piece. Oh my god! Yeah. Like everything else in this movie, it's beautiful. When it first shot. goes down and he's like holding on the seats and like lets go and then grabs onto the seats below as he like falls toward the camera and shit like that, it's just so cool looking. And like you know, he doesn't look that huge all the time, but in that fucking scene, the way that it's shot, it's like oh my god, this guy is terrifying. Well, there's tons of really creative camera angles that make him imposing. And I think you combine that with the voice being louder than everything else. Even if that wasn't the intention of it in the first place, it works to make him threatening. Because, I mean, he's obviously super muscular. He's very built for it. But Tom Hardy's just not a tall guy. Yeah. But they trick you into thinking he's big, and it works. But I don't like in that opening scene the whole villain plans on getting captured. Just because we already did that. But the rest of that scene is awesome. It's worth it for the action of the scene. It's funny because whenever I point out a thing that is similar to Begins or the way this scene serves the story is just like this other scene in the trilogy, right? And anytime I bring up one of those, you're like, that's lazy. <laughs> I'm, it is lazy. It's just like it's lazy in this one. I'm like, I think that shit's cool because it gives it continuity. It gives it... No, that's not how you get continuity. Consistency, you know, I like... No, 
how about Bane attacks the plane because he's a master mercenary trained by the League of Shadows, and you get the exact same action scene without him being handcuffed. You get the, I like the parallels of him breaking out of the handcuffs like Batman and Batman stories, but just well, I don't, yeah, but I don't then want that. I don't need that. Then you don't get the sinister dialogue in the beginning. I mean, you, you can. It's writers, right? Do your job. Ah, uh, it's not the same. What's he doing when he gives Dr. Pavel the, like, blood transfusion? What's he doing there? He's putting his blood in the corpse's body. So they they'll, they'll think that that's his body when they investigate the crash site. Uh, yeah, they mention, oh, well, would it make you feel any better to know that the scientist who realized that your new energy could be used as a bomb, that that guy died in a plane crash? Like, would that put your mind at ease and let me use your technology? Oh, cool. I didn't, yeah, I didn't notice that. Feel better. Yeah, good. I'm glad he's dead. Way better. I feel way better. <laughs> I like early on, too, that they show the devotion of Bane's subordinates. He doesn't even have to yell at that guy. He's just like, no, you stay. Yeah. And the guy's like, yeah, done diddles. I'm okay with that. And there's a later scene with the guy when he, he kills the one guy for failing, and then he tells the other guy, he's like, Okay, you search his body, and then I'll kill you. Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair. I also love how he caps that dude, too. Like, go after him. Go find him. What do you mean, go after him? <laughs> Get in the water. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. the inner tube. It's funny because normally it would be the other way around. You know, like, they take a character from comics, and they make him, like, extra dark and ruthless for the movie. Uh-huh. But, like, he is so ruthless and violent in the comics he doesn't have to be worse in the movie. He just has to be as bad. I'm not even sure he is quite as evil in this. He's just different. But he's pretty on the level with uh, his complete lack of respect for life. He's actually more how I picture Batman, actually, in regards to his demeanor. Batman wouldn't have rapport with a group of people who would just, like, listen to him just because. He's not leading a group of thugs. But... The way that Bane is calm all the time, and he just, like, speaks to people, and just, that's how I picture Batman, actually. Yeah, I can agree with that. Batman, to me, is sort of, like, devoid of passion. He's just kind of like a justice machine. (laughs) Gordon, tell me where, oh my god. None of that. I want to talk about the amazing Selina intro. Fucking Anne Hathaway. She doesn't get... I don't feel like the same love as being as iconic, you know, as Michelle Pfeiffer, but like really for all intents and purposes, this is a better, more accurate Catwoman. I mean, the duplicity of her character, the lack of literal feline quips and weird shit, you know. She's got a secretary who fell out of a building and became a master (laughs) martial artist. Yes. I mean, and the way that she code switches over and over is so good. I, I love in that scene the way she, oops, you know, I didn't know it was uncrackable and like kicks his fucking cane out and like does that backflip out the window in heels. That's Anne Hathaway. That's not her stunt double. She does all of her own shit in this movie and was really proud to do it. And uh, backflipped out the window? She did everything that you see. There's no stunt doubles for her fighting, for her crazy. The motorcycles? Like, uh, 
I mean, she's been on WCG anyways, because you don't know. So take it back. I'm just saying what she had said on camera is that she did all of her own stunts. I've watched her in multiple interviews say it. She's fantastic. She's just an excellent actress in general. And she's really well cast as Catwoman. Yeah. I think that a lot of the disappointment or the dislike is just more due to the movie's fault. You only see her for a little bit at the beginning and she's not in the suit all that much. There's that scene where she and Batman are walking to confront Bane and like Batman's jumping out of the shadows and taking everyone out and she's just walking. And that's really silly to me and it makes her look silly because she's not doing anything as Batman's like booing people and giving them jump scares. Well, yeah, but but they know she's coming. She's okay to be there. He's not. It's just silly. I thought it was kind of a distraction thing. Like she'd walk around the corner, they'd see her and be like, hey, what's up? And then Batman punches them. Like they're kind of Exactly. That's what it is. It's just silly. Um, and then you go from that, and then she's gone. And then she's not back in Catwoman mode until the end of the movie. It's not her fault. It's just kind of wasted. That's not, that's not even true, though, because she goes back to Daggett, and there's that awesome, uh, it's too short, but there's that awesome fight scene where they team up and take on Bane's guys on the rooftop. That's already before their last thing where they walk to confront Bane. And that fight scene is not all that awesome. I've recorded a few clips. That fight scene has some egregious... Uh, Hollywood, Hollywood martial arts fighting. There's, it's a symptom of them, I imagine, trying to give the audience bigger, wider shots, not do the flash cutting and panning and yep. really show the action. But it's like Batman and Catwoman are in the middle and they're fighting guys, and a guy will walk up behind them and kind of put his arms out like he's ready to fight, and then he'll just jump and fall over. <laughs> and it's not the only time that happens in the movie, and it just I get that if you were really in it, you'd be watching the two leads, and maybe you wouldn't pay attention to the sides. But it's just really, really bad. I'm with you in that this movie has the worst choreography of the trilogy. Easily. Yeah, it's not good. But I will say that just, it was kind of like seeing Justice League. Like, I know that's not a very good movie, and a lot of bad things happened to it to make it that way. But seeing all those characters together on screen was like so exciting to me that we finally got a Bat-Cat fight scene where they're, like, teaming up. And so that supersedes any level of, like, this could have been done better. Just the fact that it's happening and still is pretty cool is enough for me, you know? Yeah, that's kind of a fanboy thing, and you're a fanboy. And that's totally. what's wrong with you. This is the Bat-Fanboy <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I'm here to tear this stuff apart. <laughs> well, no, because I think about it when Evan was completely shredding and just being very disrespectful to Tim Sale before. <laughs> <laughs> Watching this movie the first time, or the first time, the, and not really looking at it with the critical eye, just enjoying it, because I love Batman, and it's awesome to see Catwoman, and Hathaway's doing a great job. Yeah. But just being a little more critical with it, that stuff weakens the overall experience. I don't know, like, if they could have just choreographed it better, or had yes. the camera be a little tighter. And that's another thing where animation does a little better job because, like, the animated Batman would move faster. He'd be more of a, you know, the pinnacle of a human fighting. And also, he'd probably throw out, like, batterings and knock the guns out of their hands. The number of times someone in this movie with a gun runs up to him someone and hits them with the tries to hit him with the gun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's out of bullets, man. He's out of bullets. <laughs> Before the fight starts. Yeah. <laughs> He I was prepared. I didn't know we were going to have to brawl. It's like, <laughs> I just came from the range, man. I'm all out. Yeah. I'm all out. Spent. I like that. Well, you won't like this, Ben. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the beginning, when we introduce John Blake, it's a rooftop scene. You mean Robin? 
by shut, shut your mouth a rooftop scene just like the dark knight with gordon and ramirez setting up that her uh relative whatever family members in the hospital they do the same thing with john blake literally at the bat signal on the roof and you're kind of getting a little taste of this dude's suspicions and what he thinks is actually going on yeah i don't like it Similar. <laughs> it's not that it's too similar it's that it's another kind of problem this movie has is again the huge exposition dumps and like it works when Alfred is explaining the plot to Batman because Alfred would have done the research and he'd know about Bane and do all this but like when some random cop maybe the best one but still just some random cop is like I think that there's more to the Harvey Dent case the case that happened when I wasn't even a police officer and I don't have anything to do with it I was more years old. <laughs> yeah. But I had my suspicions. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You're just explaining it again. It's the uh, the monthly recap of Long Halloween that happens every single time. Oh, my God. There's too much of it. Well, what you said about Alfred, though, happens right here, and we set up his little fantasy about going to the cafe and like, oh, I see you from across the room or whatever, and... and, and uh, I know that you're okay and that you made it out, you know. And it's like, oh, that's a sweet thought. It made me think of Silence of the Lambs since Amber and I watched that stuff recently and there's scenes where he's uh, in some Italian pavilion with his brimmed hat on, sipping wine and stuff. Those shots made me think of that. <laughs> Dude, Alfred's on a murder trip. Yeah, uh, Alfred is a cannibal. <laughs> he's throwing people uh, out windows of churches. <laughs> Decrepit Kane Bruce looks like William Shakespeare or Guy Forks to me. <laughs> Wait, like mustache mini goatee combo. Wait, Guy oh. Fox? Did you just say Forks? Forks, yeah, from V for Vendetta. It's a W. Fox? Yeah, there's no R. F A W K E S Fox. Where's the R? I thought it was Forks. All right, so if you're playing the bingo, I made a correction. Evan gets fictional characters name in No, there's, there's a better way. It's like Evan, Evan pulls mom syndrome where she confuses uh, actors' names. You know, that one, uh, Jake Gyllenheim. Jake, you know, from the gay cowboy movie. Jake, the Jewish and, uh, gay cowboy. Heath Legend and Jake Gyllenheim, you know. <laughs> That's funnier Evan than it should have been. Name syndrome. That's what it'll be. I think, I think that made, the main difference between you and I in this scenario is that I'm just reading the thing. Well, okay, there's no excuse in this case. <laughs> but what letters are written in the? <laughs> what? But what letters did you write down? <laughs> Forks. <laughs> 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 Straight up right here, Guy Forks. <laughs> uh, you know what? You should start a restaurant. That's actually a great idea. You use the like anonymous mask branding and call it Guy Forks. A real edgy uh, restaurant. Remember, remember, every Saturday, <laughs> unlimited press. <laughs> <laughs> it's our 5th of November closeout sale. <laughs> You're really trying to undermine my really observant point. I thought it was like a Ra's al Ghul thing. What do they call that? Uh, Handlebar? No, there's a name for that thing. It's like got some pretentious name. Mustache? 
And he has the grain on the side. He just looked like Ra's al Ghul to me. Oh, like the Fu Manchu is like the thing that you can twiddle, like the old... Uh... <laughs> but then connected to like a big goatee. There's a name for that. It's thing. like a it's biker like, <gasps> thing. So it's not a Roy. <laughs> I just make names out of <laughs> I just it's watched that. It's actually Roy. I have, it, I have it in my notes and you, you spelled it incorrectly. I spelled it correctly. I just watched that Seth MacFarlane Western movie nope. again. Nope, that's not how, that's not his last name. MacFarlane. Yeah, where's the L? <laughs> <laughs> but were there... They're like in the West and they talk about how horrible it is in the old West. Uh, but they yeah. have this whole like big thing where what's his name? Neil Patrick Harris is uh, in like the, the mustachery. But you'll win yourself a girl if you've only got a mustache, a mustache, a mustache. If you've only got a mustache. I just remembered it's called a Van Dyke. Really? Yeah. You're so are knowledgeable. You re- are you doing research as we speak? I'm just going back through the archives of my brain. <laughs> my my Rolodex of yeah. masculine facial hairs. <laughs> That's all I have room for, honestly. That's awesome. All right, so I really want to talk about this other early Selena scene where she is making very strategic chess moves. She has multiple contingencies going. This shit is so perfect, Catwoman, where... Again, she's in plain clothes. She's selling the fingerprints she got off Bruce's safe. She only gives four prints, right? And like right as expected, he turns on her. And she's like, oh, well, you're going to want that fucking thumb. And that's when it starts to get really menacing. And she's like, oh, it's okay. Here, just click send on this number. My friend will bring in the thumb. You know, we got a little cameo from the Holly character. I like that. But again, it's the missing congressman's phone who dials it. And so it's like she knows how this is going to play out and has uh-huh. this whole thing set up to get herself out of it. And then when shots start flying, she grabs a gun and starts taking motherfuckers out. And as soon as the door kicks in, goes into this Oscar-level panic attack fucking... Hysterical. Oh, yeah, his, yeah hysteria. It, it was just... So good. It's one of the best acted scenes, I feel like, in this whole trilogy. I love, love, love her, again, like code switching, depending on who's yeah. in the room, who she's playing. You know, the damsel is just so fucking great. Yeah, I love how she flips it there. And I love, well, I've said this before, but I like anything where you're seeing a person's really thought out plan come to fruition in different ways. Hers is adaptable, but she also anticipates that things are going to go wrong on like multiple levels. Uh-huh. And I like when she walks out of Wayne Manor and strips her stuff off, that's like some super Ocean's Eleven walk away stuff to me. Yeah. And you mean Ocean's Eight? Can we just say James did Bond? I, did, did I spell it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, You've been saying that number wrong. Your whole like, life. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that a sexist joke? Because she's a girl? Eleven? Isn't eight the one with all women in the cast, including her? <laughs> oh, she's in it. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen any of those movies. She might not actually even be in that film, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me. You're probably right, anyways. You're generally right about stuff. <laughs> we just true. interrupted you for fun, so don't. <laughs> That's cool. Don't I'm, worry. I'm out of here. I'm just. You guys keep talking. I'm just. Gonna <laughs> <laughs> I just gonna stand here and play with my markers. <laughs> yeah. It was it was cool. She uh, the guns and um, screams. She did good at it. <laughs> you already talked about the part where 
Gordon gets dragged in to Bane's lair. He rolls out the chute, and Bane's like, oh, well, find him. You know, shoots his guy, throws him down there. But then we get this uh, scene where Alfred's really breaking down where Bane is coming from, right? And he's going, I don't think you should fuck with this guy. You're in no shape to do this. You know, and Bruce is all defiant, like, oh, you don't think that I can do it? You think that I'll lose? He's like, no, I think you want to. Like, you're seeing an opportunity to get back in the action and end this misery that you've been sulking in for eight years. This might be my favorite Michael Caine subplot from all these movies. I think he's really, really good in these emotional scenes where he's just like, how fucking far are you going to take this? Yeah, he's awesome. He's not phoning in at all. The emotion that he brings to every scene, you believe that he is very upset. He's acting very good. <laughs> he's good at stuff. <laughs> yeah, I like the way you talk. <laughs> that makes sense to me. Is that before or after Bruce gets the robot knee brace? After, because he's like, even a robot leg is not going to... Okay, because that part is stupid to me, and I don't, I don't like that part at all. Wait, wasn't that... Sort of in uh, Dark Knight Returns, wasn't that brought from something that we talked about previously? The Nebras? Yeah, I thought that was inspired by something. Or maybe it was just a comment about his condition, but I thought that there was some sort of montage that that was referencing from the comics. Um, I don't know, because in this, there literally is the scene where he puts on the Nebras and then kicks the brick pillar. Well, yeah, that immediacy is stupid, but I feel like I don't know. I thought it was in reference to something, and they just like accelerated and crammed it in. That's a thing they use in a bunch of Batman origins. Like I think they do it in Year One, and things building off of Year One, him kicking a tree in half. So mm, that, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just thought it was silly that he's wearing a tennis shoe when he kicks the <laughs> brick pillar, because like maybe the knee brace gives you the power to kick the brick, but still your foot and your shoe don't withstand the brick unless you're wearing a strong shoe. And yeah, those Converse are not cutting it. Batman wears steel toes. Because the audience is stupid, so you have to show them that now his leg works again. <laughs> good. It works really good. Yeah, his foot skeleton has been reinforced at the same time. Did you forget about that whole sequence with Stryker, though, where he puts the adamantium on his bones? Mm, I that, didn't watch that cut. Uh, was yeah. that in the Nolan cut? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nolan cut! Nolan yeah. cut! Release it! It's the three-hour version. It's got 20 minutes extra. It was uh, just all adamantium on bones. Yeah. <laughs> it's very riveting. It's a, it's a yeah, long cool. surgery scene. But can't martial artists break bricks with their bodies? Yeah, well, I thought about that because I thought that I was being an asshole at first. And what? then I thought about how when people are punching or dropping elbows on the brick stacks, it's bricks only supported at two ends, but yeah. unsupported in the center. And uh -huh. so your initial strike and also just the inertia and the lack of support in the part that you're hitting are what allow you to like drive through that. Uh, People don't just generally like kick chunks of concrete <laughs> off of stuff. <laughs> when you say it like that, it sounds ridiculous. Don't say it like that. Okay, I don't think, it, nope, I don't think it could happen. <laughs> I mean, if anything, that would actually just like make your foot worse because if you were to just of your own strength just like kick some shit, it would like really hurt you, but then you threw some like robot 
strength into it, then I feel like it would just like kick your foot off almost. Well, it's kind of like uh, now that he has fixed his knee, now he fucked up his foot and ankle, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, I'm so pumped. <laughs> I can't bust through this wall like Kool-Aid, man, but I got this robotic suit that will smash me into the wall. <laughs> It'd be sort of like when uh, Nicholson punches Keaton in the stomach and he's just like, oh, fuck oh, my hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I hope you like the bat pod because you're going to be on it a lot. <laughs> I hope you love your bat wheelchair. What do you guys think about the stock market scene? It's okay. I noticed that Bane like what up nods at a person. Yeah. As he leaves. Yeah, he just like it was a, yeah, just like a little. Uh, I just thought that was cool. Like, well, did he know somebody? There? I thought I thought he did that for the uh, guy who handed him his helmet back. No, that's just. To a rando after that? Yep, I wrote it. 43 minutes. Bane, what up? Not in stock exchange. Yeah, <laughs> it's really only him and there's nobody else close to him. Everybody else must be on the ground and he's just kind of circling and panning around to his right and then in the process of turning just like, what up's a person? Yeah. <laughs> I Which love, I thought was funny. Like, he either knows somebody or he's like being kind of pleasant at the same time. Sorry about kidnapping he you. He was. But he was because. What's up? I hope you're having a good day otherwise. I mean, we see how he just thrashed that security team when he walks through the metal detector and takes his mm-hmm. helmet off and shit, right? But then, like, right, the part you're talking about, when he does take his helmet back, he says, thank you, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, and, and if he wasn't, if he didn't have the motives that he had, he's well spoken enough to actually be a polite person. He, yeah. He could, he could, like, talk to your grandma and then kill another guy. <laughs> It's like those mobsters, you know, they're they're really polite and cordial at their dinners, yeah. you know, but then, like, they'll leave the room and have you executed at the table. Actually, that's one of my favorite things about just kind of that genre or that mentality in general is just this, like, gentleman gangster. They're nice to the community, but they're evil to other gangsters or something, or they're well-dressed and well-spoken or something. Because hurting people is a business to them. Yeah. And maybe they're very practiced at it, so there's no... They're, they're like Batman. They're dispassionate when they hurt people. Because mm-hmm. it's just, just what they do for money. To me, that's the most upsetting thing. That's the most like unsettling part of the whole like mafia shit. It's almost like Arthur Mitchell and Dexter or something, John Lithgow's character, where you know he's like the perfect poster of a family man, you know, but then he has this super sinister, disgusting side. And that's so much more insidious to me when you can put up this front of values and fake it so convincingly, but actually be completely morally bankrupt when it counts. It's a different version of how we talked about when you added that unpredictability, it makes them scarier and makes them more unstable. When you have people who could be so composed and then murderous, on the other hand, then again, you don't know what to think about this person. Well, they lull you into like a sense of security when they're not nuts. Yeah. They're not getting wild. <laughs> it's just, it's where like if someone's a mess the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, you're on edge, you're on guard. Especially in scenes where you like know the potential of a character and then they're just having like a casual conversation in a diner. But the whole time you're like, something could happen. And so you're anticipating it the entire time. Yeah, totally. Because awesome. they, they don't know what the audience knows about that person. <laughs> exactly. 
I really like in the stock exchange scene. I mean, not only he's got all these people planted in there, you know, they had talked about in the first film how the League of Shadows is kind of everywhere and, you know, we've infiltrated governments back throughout history, you know. And so they have the shoe shining guys and like uh, just all these people who are in the building as blue collar workers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Who have been planted there for God knows how long just so they can flip and take this place over. And then that great dialogue where the guy's like this is a stock exchange there's no money here and he's like then why are you people here and like fucking throws him aside you know i love that and then at 46 minutes so much like begins where it takes like practically an hour to get batman on screen 46 minutes batman shows up and honestly it's so fucking exciting we do get that little dark knight returns moment where he's like you're in for a show tonight son you know and and I remember, I think it was Empire Magazine, before the film came out, they had like the first official photos from it, and he's got that big EMP cannon, and I was like, what the fuck is that thing? (laughs) Like, it's, you know, we're getting some cool Batman tech in this one, and I love that... How's he riding a motorcycle and carrying that bad boy? But he shoots it like a cannon, and it just, like, you follow the light as it just shuts everything off in its path. I thought that was such a cool thing. The way he's like swooping in, pulling motherfuckers off their motorcycles, you know, rescuing hostages and shit. Like, that was a very, very Batman scene. It's a very exciting comeback scene. Oh, yeah, it's full of energy. And it just looks great. I mean, every Christopher Nolan movie I've seen looks great, and this is no exception. Is it Wally Fister, you say, cinematographer? Yeah, honestly, I mean, visually, this is maybe the the best one. It, just in terms of its scope, it's really incredible. There are multiple times, and it's like a Chris Nolan staple now, or like where depending on what the scene is showing, it'll either be letterboxed, but then when it cuts to something more action-oriented, it's just a full screen. So they do that where it'll be like tied on someone's face and then cut out to white full screen. It's funny you say that because I knew going into it that he had shot a much higher percentage of this film in IMAX, and so people were skeptical of like the aspect ratio changing over and over. And I was just thinking about that the other day as I was watching some like behind-the-scenes stuff and reading about the extras after watching it, and I was like, fuck, I to this day have never noticed. I'm so into the characters that I've never noticed that happening, and I've known about it since before I saw it. <laughs> I still haven't seen it with my eyeballs. Interstellar is the first movie of his that I noticed that. Really? Interstellar is, it'll be like tight on people's faces, and then the first time they go into space, it'll be full screen. And it looks so different than the interior of a spaceship that it's obvious. Where in this, it'll happen in the same scene. Like, when Bruce meets Gordon in the hospital, it's letterboxed. But then when he, right before that, when he repels out of the window to get to his room, it cuts to full screen and then cuts back to letterbox when he gets in the room. Dude, you know what I was thinking about that scene is, I don't know how many hospital rooms I have been in where the windows are not open and shut. They are just part of the fucking construction you know like they're hard fixed into the thing and so i'm like how the fuck does he he jumps out a window first of all but then it never shows him enter that hospital room because you can't Uh, Gotham is old and the hospitals are old and their windows open. No way, because after that one was blown up, they had to build this one from scratch. <laughs> no, that's Gotham General. This is Gotham. Yeah. Gotham, Our Lady of Gotham's Sacred Heart. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think that that's just kind of like an edited blooper. 
he repels and that gives you the impression that he like repelled through the window but actually it just didn't work out at all and then he like walks in the front door and just <laughs> he went down the to the lobby like hey did bruce wayne visit you earlier like because shows him yeah, he, like he, he like repels and then when you see him in the scene he has a name tag that says bruce on it you're like that makes it look like you signed in well no it's like he couldn't get in the window so he had to go all the way down and then come in the lobby which obviously you can't wear a mask and so then when he walks into the room then he puts on the mask and walks up to gordon you know oh yeah so the nurse is like Batman down. <laughs> do, do you know who just walked into your room commissioner Gordon? Yeah. yeah i know it was Batman. <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the nurse was like, wait, what do you say? But that was Bruce Wayne, so you're saying that... Oh, fuck! Those drugs, those pain meds are really strong. Uh, Gordon is really feeling it. <laughs> I was going to say that I like, going back to closer to the beginning, that as soon as there's something to work on, Bruce has a little pep in his step. Like, it shows you yep. that the gears start turning, you know, the whole time. It's like, oh, this fucking bub. He's just, like, kicking rocks around his house. And then as soon as he has, like, a little something to work on, he starts like, yeah. It's it's still it. in him, man. Like, a guy needs purpose. Yeah. I like this is the first time of all these stories where a woman brings him back to being Batman. Rather than a woman tempts him into not being Batman. Make him to yeah. yeah, yeah, nice. That's true. It's a good reversal. You know, at this point in the movie, we're about to that Catwoman fight that we talked about on the rooftop, and I, I didn't mention he does the sort of role reversal there with her as well. They get in the bat, the plane, they're like talking on the roof, and she ghosts him, and he does the whole like, so that's what it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's silly, but it's fun. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm all for the fan service. I appreciate it all. <laughs> What else we got here? Something we went past is when uh, Officer Blake visits Bruce Wayne in his home to reveal to him that he knew he was Bruce Wayne all along. He has a line where... Uh, Let me guess, Robin you don't like it. <laughs> no, it's okay, it's fine. There's a neat thing in the scene that because he says, the reason I knew it was you because I saw when you were Bruce Wayne that you were just hiding your anger, the anger that I felt as a child. Yeah. And it's like you were, you were wearing a mask and I recognized that mask. But the entire room around them is filled with a bunch of masks from different cultures and tribes and stuff like that. Oh. That's something I didn't notice the other times, but this time I'm like, ah, thank I, you. I didn't either. Yeah. I like that in most of that scene, Bruce is being quiet and listening because the dude is pretty much, he's not serving him, but he is just kind of hitting all the points he is correct and so he's not bruce isn't refuting anything he's just listening like yeah 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 and then by the time he gets to the end he's like wait at what point did you start to think or he asks him a question about something instead like when did you know blah 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 but the whole time he's like yeah i got no argument here you're right kid <laughs> i don't really care anymore you're right yeah Whatever. it's pretty astute of you convince somebody else do you think yeah. the guy who played Coleman Reese was really bummed out when he saw that scene of like, oh, so now you do have someone confront him about his identity? Some stranger who doesn't know him and I don't get to do that in mine? Yeah. Like, oh, cool. oh, Christian Bale gives me a little nod and a wink from 20 feet away. That was cool. Yeah, I shared a scene with Christian Bale. We weren't even on set the same day. That was four days apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I want to touch on is Alfred resigns we 
have him going through breaking down Bane's fighting style in the footage of the stock exchange. We have him confessing about Rachel's letter and saying, you know, what if to spare you pain, I burned that letter, you know? Don't lie to me. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. I, I like that his instinct is that, oh, so you're, you're going to try to manipulate me by turning her around on me. Yeah. It's like, no, uh-huh. bitch. You weren't ready to hear this back then, but I, I have to tell you this now. I but, wish I hadn't burned the letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got no proof now. <laughs> That's kind of a moment of division in their relationship. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was one of the most powerful scenes in the trilogy emotionally. So resolute, too, because he doesn't seem to bat an eye about, okay, see you later. Walk goodbye, up the stairs. Yeah, goodbye. It's yeah, crazy. I mean, it's, cold. it's one step too far, you know? It's just like, that was the last thing he had to hold on to. And so uh, he's like, well, fuck it. If I'm alone, I'm alone. And then, and then fucking Lucius comes over. He's like, whoa, you're answering your own door. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> he's like, goodbye, Lucius. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if in that part, Bruce was like, well, Alfred's gone, but at least I still have some of my money. And then later on, he's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, uh, you see no, Alfred, like, Alfred reading the newspaper, going like, whew, got out just in time. <laughs> These sweaters aren't cheap. I need steady employment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm sure he's got a, a whole wardrobe full of them. He must have had so many U-Hauls for his sweaters. Only the finest old man's sweaters. One of my favorite Bane scenes is when Daggett flips out so miranda has taken over and bruce is out right he's broke we've covered this but daggett was like wait what the fuck just happened i was supposed to be the one you know honestly i don't understand why miranda becomes ceo and fox is no longer he's just a board member that i missed all these times i never quite understood that but it's because once other people had more uh, shareholder power they could remove him which is what they wanted to do I guess that just wasn't super clearly defined in that scene because you get the the idea that she's replacing Bruce as being on the board yeah but you don't nothing's really said about demoting Lucius like they did with Mr. Earl in the first one that was such a great scene Mm -hmm. like I got another job yours they had six hours of movie to cram into this two-hour and 40-minute movie, so they can't bother explaining corporate structure to us. But so Daggett throws a little hissy fit after this. He goes over to Bane, you know, and is like, how the hell does this put me in charge of Wayne Enterprises, right? Like, I'm the one in charge here. Don't, no, you don't listen to him. I'm the one in charge. And he just rests the edge of his hand on Daggett's shoulder and says, do you feel in charge? And like that, is one of the most intimidating, scary moments, and he's not doing anything. Yeah, that part is super badass. He's also, I don't know if he's, if in the movie he's standing on something, or we're supposed to think he's really tall. He's like a foot taller than Daggett in that scene. I think think he wears lifts. I don't know if it was more just like camera trickery, like you're just supposed to Yeah, it's some like Gandalf Bilbo uh, (laughs) camera tricks. Really far away. Yeah. No, I Do think, you feel in control, Bilbo Baggins? <laughs> I think he does wear, like, lifts in his shoes in this movie. Uh, the to, character or 
Uh, Hardy. <laughs> Hardy. Me and, me and Am- Amber have been watching the Munsters recently, and uh, and it's full of shoe lips. That just makes me think of Bane in like a big old clog boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my Hot Toys case, when I I had everything bagged up in case we had to evacuate from the fires, and when I put everything back, I put it in a slightly different order. And when you have Tom Hardy's Bane next to Ben Affleck, these two figures that are to scale. It's no contest. Like, Affleck is way bigger. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Tom Hardy's not a big guy. No. But, I mean, again, he's perfect in this movie, and even somehow against a very ripped Christian Bale, who famously put on all that extra weight, you know, he still looks good next to him. But, yeah, next to Affleck is like, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. They're just selling you on it anyways. Yeah. And even a person who, um, granted, in this case, Batman and Bane have fighting skills but in normal life a smaller person with some fighting skills could probably take a bigger person with no fighting skills so size is only kind of relevant in proportion to experience everything else being equal size generally wins i would think though Mm -hmm. well yeah that's what i'm thinking if you got they're not you got two trained fighters who are worthy opponents and then but but this Batman is six four. <laughs> it's yeah. like, eh, yeah. okay. I like that scene a lot, but I, by the time it got done, I, I felt like the only thing that would have made it a little more threatening is if he, like, flopped his hand over his shoulder and then he like tickled his earlobe. Ooh, <laughs> that's just creepy. Between thumb and forefinger, just kind of- you, yeah, yeah, just a, yeah, or like a three finger, like a thumb. And a <laughs> so yeah, I mean, what are you? What are you doing? Do you feel in control? Daggett goes out with kind of a a whimper there, but again, I just really think Ben Mendelsohn was perfectly cast in this, and he did a great job. Um, Extremely unlikable. Yeah, and yet I saw him as the lead on a HBO series recently, a Stephen King adaptation, where he's the protagonist and you know, kind of the the moral heart of the story and. It was great. It was great seeing some some other side of him and, and appreciating his range. I just I've really grown to like that guy as an actor. Wasn't he the villain in uh, Captain Marvel? Yeah, he's one of those. Um, Don't what spoil is, it for people who haven't seen it. That <laughs> was him, right? Yeah. He, I feel he like he looked bigger than that. I don't know if he yoked up or just like body language or something. He looked more imposing. I feel like I've seen him rocking some turtlenecks in something, and I just can't place it. <laughs> I've seen him in a turtleneck before. Was that one of your like winter parties that you went to? <laughs> yeah, turtleneck parties. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible idea. So I hope to, I bet somebody does that, but I hate turtlenecks. Um. <laughs> sometimes it's so hard to transition back into it. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, how do we feel about turtlenecks? <laughs> well, to quote UHF again, sex with yeah. furniture. What do you think? Yeah, is my face red? I don't know if I told you that, but when I last year I got to meet Weird Al, and what? yeah, I went to a signing at Comic Con in Portland, and you know I talked to him for a minute. We posed for the photo. He signed my CD. And I, <laughs> I intentionally did this. I kind of did a bit where I like I'm walking out, and before the next person comes in, I stopped and I said, 
I almost forgot to ask, and I said that to him, uh, and he's oh, nice. and he just without missing a beat because I'm sure he's heard it a hundred times before. Just goes, oh, I'm for it. Oh, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> I was gonna say that I feel like that would be the best thing that you could drop some lines from to him. Yeah, but I also think that it's probably still like cult popular ish enough that it wouldn't be. I think the best thing you could do would be to like offer him like a Twinkie Wiener sandwich or something <laughs> like that. Like, don't drop a line, just yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he gets all kinds of weird gifts that he does not want. Hey, Bobo! But, but, he, yeah. but he's not like Michael Keaton. He's not like, um, don't make eye contact with me, please. <laughs> don't. Yeah, yeah. Please don't, don't, no touching, don't. no breathing. No direct communication. That's what the handler is for. I actually laughed. And I saw the there's this site that's doing um, a Keaton signing. They were posting pictures of some of the stuff he had signed, right? And a lot of times, you know, like for mail-in autographs, you will put like, you know, like a bag and board for a comic or something, you know, you'll like cut through the window and be like, you know, sign in this space, you know. And I saw in one of the pictures, it was like, sign here and write Batman or something like that, right? And the picture, he just signed his name. And I, I thought that was so funny because having been to his signing before, as I'm sliding in the thing, I was like, yeah, can you make it out to Sam? And he just like pauses and keeps, he's staring down at the photograph. <laughs> And he pauses and waits for the no. person, waits for the employee to tell me, oh, yeah, we don't have time for that. I'm like, he could have already finished it by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that would set a precedent, and then the next guy would know because you'd have to tell everyone. And then, yeah, yeah. I just, Mr. Keaton is not here for that, sir. He is not your friend, you son of a bitch. <laughs> when, you, when you were talking about Gordon and the sewer system and you're talking about like the water shoot and in my head it was like slip and slide he gets to ride the slip and slide and then it was like he gets to drink from the fire hose so this is the weird owl fanatic podcast <laughs> we should just randomly watch that and review that together <laughs> well i was thinking of that last night when i was watching heat and like how closely it ties into the Dark Knight, I was like, man, we should just do a spinoff episode and and talk about the movies that inspired the other movies we watched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna say he made you think of Weird Al. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was a lot like UHF. <laughs> yeah, De Niro's performance really reminded me of Michael Richards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he loves a mop. De Niro loves a mop, and he. Well, actually, I was... Oh, I think I texted you guys about this. I was like, wait a second. Val Kilmer did this at the same time as Batman Forever? And then I'm reading the credits. I was like, wait, that's the the same guy who did the music for Batman Forever, too. That's really weird. I knew it was good. (laughs) Well, the lizard people who control Hollywood only go to a small group of professionals. Oh, I see. Yeah. The, The lizard people pedophiles? Yeah. That whole ring of people who make movies. There's just seven or eight of them, I think. They've got their, like, corral of children, and then the other room, they've got their cameras, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So do you, what do you guys think about Pizzagate? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Finally, we're getting to the real issues. Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting for this to turn into a conspiracy podcast. All right. Weird detours aside, one of the greatest theater moments of my entire life was the nightfall break you scene that happens here. Hardy said, it felt like I was beating up my childhood hero. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we have such great 
dialogue in this scene. It's not just a great fight, but like victory has defeated you. Or like when Batman pulls in the utility belt and he's like theatricality and deception, powerful agents like, you know, but we are initiated and just like the whole time he's just unshakable. He's practically just monologuing while Bruce is trying to fucking fight him. And he's just trying to shake him at his core, they're like, you can't affect me. Oh, you think darkness is your ally? Like, you know, like anything you fucking try. Adopted by it. You know, I was but, born in it. Like these scenes, you could make fun of them, but they are just iconic lines in this scene. And, and then I will break you. Like, I think I talked about this before, that dream that I've had of like the powerlessness dream, the losing control where like someone's attacking you and you can't fight them off no matter how hard you hit them. Right. You know, it's like watching that unfold with your greatest hero on screen, you know, and and having grown up as William Shakespeare, (laughs) having grown up on nightfall and that being the craziest shit as a kid, seeing this on screen was like, just so emotional to me. I, I couldn't believe that I was actually seeing it. I felt like I didn't breathe for that whole entire scene. I was literally sitting forward on the edge of my seat, just like breathless. I can't believe I'm seeing this. And I know people who don't have the same like childhood association with this story might not feel the same way. But to me, it was just incredible. Something I will never forget seeing the first time. Just beautifully executed. It's extra intense, too, because you, granted, they could pull something where he doesn't get his back broken. I mean, maybe it it wouldn't even happen in this story, or maybe it could be a fake out kind of. um, Yeah, like Harvey Dent. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like the acid thing. It doesn't happen right now, but the whole time you're watching it, anticipating that it is going to happen at some point, and so it makes it that much more intense because, like, how long are they going to fight for? Like, how much is he going to get beat up? before he finally does that. And so it's, it's a real drag out that, that you have to witness him get his ass beat before finally crippling him. It is a real drag. And you have the extra aspect of versus the comic. It's a one-on-one fight in the Batcave with no witnesses other than a dinosaur and a giant penny. What's the tinkerer's name? Horatio or something? The guy who lives in the back part of the cave. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Dog, I guess the other dog is there. <laughs> Um, Harold Harold there we go Harold and Ace (laughs) in this one you have the whole League of Shadows basically yeah you have the League of Shadows you have the witnesses in this one you know how that further cements you as a terrible leader to not mess with and to only follow orders from it makes his defeat that much more humiliating I, I guess it's bad enough anyways but it there's witnesses the whole time you have the shots that show Catwoman like oh shit biscuits I didn't know that it was gonna be like this though yeah yeah she's like it's fucking Batman I thought he'd get out of it <laughs> sneak away or something when I saw this the first time I remember leaving the theater and running into another friend and I was really riding high in this movie yeah. I felt it I loved it. Yeah. And he, he's like, mm, that was bad. Oh. I, was like, oh, I, was, I was so bummed by that. <laughs> so I immediately, I went home and downloaded the movie, which don't do, is illegal. But I did that just so I could watch that scene again because that scene was so powerful. Yeah. And for that scene, we was just so upsetting. And like, I think 
the movie gets weaker after this. It's still entertaining, but from the beginning of the movie, ending with Batman getting fucked up, that's perfect. That's yes. a really entertaining, engaging Batman story. Yes. And I never, I read Night's End as a kid, but I never read Nightfall, so I, oh, I knew wow. that broke his back, but I didn't really know the story at all, so I didn't even have a connection to that. And still, this was super effective. You just made me think that either your friend was like way ahead of his time, he's like, trust me, like on some Back to the Future stuff, he's like, trust me, give it 20 years, you're going to think it sucks also. He's just really, he's just really ahead of it. Or, your kids are going to hate this. Yeah, or your, or your friend was actually like you from the future, and you like had an interaction with yourself, and you're like, that oh, really blows, and you're like, does it blow? And you kind of put the seed in your head. Or something. I love that because it's like, it's kind of like that, Chappelle show skit where he pitches the idea like what if the internet was a physical place and uh-huh. and it was like a mall you know and he like goes there and it's uh-huh. all the horrible things from the internet right so you go and watch this movie that you just loved right and then you walk out of the theater riding high like you said and then you walk into like a physical manifestation of the internet comment section <laughs> Sucks. Oh. Time continuity doesn't work. Garbage film. <laughs> Batman sucks. Billy Boyce is stupid. He's too Rides. small. <laughs> Rides the dicks of the other movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. Ooh. I want to also give a shout out to the choreography in that scene. I really like the movements they give for Bane. Because he's just taking like the shots to the face and the, getting kicked and beat. And just not even defending. Just striking them off. Yeah, that's the scariest shit is that he lets him throw every hit just to prove you can't hurt me. Yeah. And, and all his movements in response are all like broad, sweeping punches and kicks. And sometimes they carry the momentum of Batman hits him and then his body swings, but then it just swings into like a full haymaker. And just Dude, that Superman punch. Oh yeah. He does like the mini Superman punch. And also he just, he has a body similar to like Tyson's the low center of gravity. And a person like that can cover like their whole upper body with their arms and then just like throw hooks and he throws a lot of hooks in this like he's all about like block a punch hit him in the kidneys and in the ribs and stuff he just throws a lot of stuff like a lot of short curved punches from the inside i also like the real desperation that bale plays he shows mm. he is tired he's out of shape you know the scream he does he's like ah! And the, yeah. and just the way he's breathing, like, uh, uh, and he's he's kind of like hunkered over in boxer pose, which we never really see him do. You can tell he's oh shit, I'm in too deep, you know. And it, it kind of like Bane says at the beginning, like, not as big as yours, <laughs> you know, like, uh-huh. n- like you've made a terrible mistake, like, well, not as yeah. big as yours. And and man, I mean, he is just panicking. You don't see the incarnation of fear really until this. I underestimated his opponent and underestimated how out of the game he was. Yeah. The part with his face and his mask before getting his back broken also too is like shows his strength and also is like a punch in the face and it's breaking the mask. Yeah, dude, yeah. like that is I don't think that that close up is a very good shot. It looks kind of movie fake. fake. Yeah. Well, but yeah. but it's I effective. Yeah, it is effective and I think that while I remembered very specifically watching the Dark Knight trailers a lot of times, what I remember from the Rises trailer was the sort of obscured cuts that they use from that scene uh-huh. and then him walking away with 
part of his mask in Bane's hand and tossing it aside and just being like, oh my God, they are doing this. Like, they're not just using yeah. Bane, like, they're doing it. Oh my God, they're doing it. Like, I couldn't believe it. I remember seeing that promo stuff with just the, like, the mask chunk, yep. you know, sitting by itself. Also, I just think that that, not that scene, but that shot specifically is just like a hard thing to pull off because how would something break down the way that you wanted, you know, every punch and still look as good as you wanted it to. Or if you think of things like Inglorious Bastards or some horror movie where there's a similar face-smashing scene or something, I don't think that that's a very easy thing to pull off. And either you just have to, like, accept it for what it is, or I think we might be surprised how weird and grotesque that stuff would look like in real life anyways. Part of us is like, oh, that looks ridiculous. But it's totally possible that that in real life would look as ridiculous as that thing that we're seeing. Well, I've never seen someone leaning up against concrete getting their head punched into it over exactly. and wearing a helmet. Like, oh, yes. I mean, weird. What do you guys do every weekend? <laughs> I, know. I get punched in the head. I'm the guy getting punched. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you just you never, know, seen, I've never seen, it. seen it from the outside. Yeah, <laughs> different perspective. Yeah. For all of Nolan's quick cuts through the trilogy, I think that would have been a perfect opportunity to show a direct hit or two. But the fact that he shows like three or four without cutting away and you're not seeing uh, his head really move or, or react to uh, the shots necessarily. Um, sure. but, makes it look a little fake because there's no bounce. Exactly, yeah. That's really the only criticism I have for that entire scene. I just think it's so... I mean, I mean, again, it's one of the greatest things I've ever experienced in the theater. It just, I can't say enough about it. Better than a combo blue and red icy? <laughs> Why would you taint a perfectly good cherry icy? Um, Amber introduced me to it, and it is quite pleasant. Well, your wife is stupid, and I don't like her. Oh, dude, you crossed she, the line. Yeah, dude. I said some terrible things, but you're mean. I don't actually like feel anything about that. I'm not. I'm not gonna be like, oh man, like don't talk like that about my wife. But I'm gonna tell Amber. Amber's gonna kill you. Yeah. See, Evan's going. Well, that's between you and her. I don't have anything to do with this. Amber, Remember that time with the, with the like the hip bust and the you through the wall in the hotel room. That's. Yes, I will never forget the danger of Amber's ass. Yes. Well. <laughs> In the future, that's going to be the last thing that you ever see in the Hey, I mean, what a way to go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's worse There's worse to go. Place, yeah. <laughs> now you got me picturing things. So, after this, though... <laughs> enough about your wife's ass. Um, right after this, before we fully move on, though, Bane takes him to the prison, Right. And so Bruce is kind of blacked out, and he comes to, and Bane is over him, still monologuing. <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, "You don't understand the civilization, Batman." There's like a missing scene of like him driving him there and talking all the way, you know. But uh, <laughs> I get that like he's backtracking the whole time. He's like, "I don't think that." Like, you weren't listening. When I was kicking your butt, you weren't listening. Like, when I said I was born in the dark, I really meant the dark, you know? Literally. Yeah. I want you to know where I'm coming from. I'm going to take you there. I'm, you know what? I'm going to take you there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll just show you. Do you have time? You got time. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. 
again, I love the dialogue in this scene where he's saying like, you know, you do not fear death. Your punishment must be more severe. You know, he's talking about uh, uh, torture, but not of your body, of your soul. The way he delivers these lines are so powerful. I love the thing about, I will terrorize Gotham and feed its people hope to poison their souls. You know, talking about like how the prison is just a metaphor for what I'm going to do. You know, I've seen people criticize Bane's like master plan and that like, wait, so he's letting all these people out of prison and arming them and doing all this shit, but like somehow I'm doing this for you. I'm holding you all ransom or, or hostage, but I'm doing this for you, the people. Like what the fuck? But again, he's like, yes, this is a hostile takeover. However, I'm going to flip it on you and spin it as if you have some say in the outcome. So it's more devastating when you don't. He's going to blow him up in the end anyways. Yeah. Yeah, his plan isn't to... His plan is, like in the League of Shadows mind, to save the world. But their idea of saving the world is to, when these cities become so corrupt and overblown, to just completely destroy them and kill everyone in it. Yeah, he's Thanos. Yeah. It's not a good plan in terms of, like, things that actually make the world better. But in their mind, yeah, we, he's just going to destroy them. And, it, and to him, it's it's more destruction and more pain if he gives them hope for a little bit yeah. before killing them all. Because yeah, the rest I, of the world will see what happens to them. Yeah. If anything, it just adds unnecessary steps. If your real goal is just to, like, kill a bunch of people, you can just make a bomb explode and kill a bunch of people. But because they have to, like, feed this other part of them or prove a point or set an example or something, then he has to do this other stuff also. Yeah, I mean, he really wants to punish people for the ways that he's been slighted in his life, you know? Yeah. That's that's part of it. But, I mean, I really think he's just attached to the League of Shadows thing because jumping to the end, I mean, he is ready to die in the blast, too. He's not... He's not six miles away from that bomb. Yeah. He's so on board for what they're doing, destroying the city as a symbol to the rest of the world. And I actually think that's better. That's more compelling than the Joker on the boat being like, people are bad, I'm going to prove it to you by giving them two bombs. Yeah. The idea more that like I'm going to strand these people in this city huh. and they can't go anywhere and someone out there has a bomb to kill them if they try and leave. And so it's just like the desperation of the situation is going to force them to turn on each other. Yeah. To me, that's way more believable than people are just fundamentally bad. It's being in that kind of situation brings out the worst in them more believably than the boat stuff. Well, and, and stuff. your analogy just shows me something I never considered in that those are exactly the same plot device because the whole threat in the first one wasn't that people would blow you up if there's the opportunity it's that oh well they believe the other fairy is a threat to them they have the trigger ordinary people over there they have the trigger they don't value our lives right and so we got to blow them up first that's funny it's exactly the same shit i never saw it that way it's lazy again it's fucking bad (laughs) (laughs) no but i think it's better it's brilliant it's lazy uh, just I buy that more because his whole rhetoric of like this movie has interesting threads of like people in power people in the top not caring about people in the bottom and it doesn't backtrack away from that but it also through Bane highlights the idea of somebody else who's charismatic who's just seizing on that to cause chaos of like when he stands outside the prison and he uses Gordon's confession letter to rile yep. everybody up see how bad it is uh-huh. but his goal is just to fuck everybody up also yep it's 
it shows his resolve as a character too, because that makes him, he's like a kamikaze with more of a plan. That is his end goal, but he needs all the tinkering in the meantime, but he's down to die for his cause or the league's cause. Yeah. And then, I mean, that would kind of stand with it too, of like, no one would know if it happened. They would just think, oh, somebody must have tried to do something, and that's what blew Gotham up. Yeah. That somebody yeah. didn't stick with the plan and work as a team and rebuild Gotham like good people. Mm-hmm. Somebody was selfish, and now they all died for it. The stuff with the prisoners could also just be a nod to the comic as well, though it doesn't follow that part of the storyline at all because it's not about wearing Batman down, but they do free and arm a bunch of prisoners. Uh-huh. Maybe it's just more no, lazy writing, you know. So. No, no, that's another one of those things that, that that I like from Christopher Nolan's movies. It's another one where it's like a plot point or a set piece from the comics reworked into an original idea. So you still get that kind of, oh, that's neat that he read it and he incorporated it while still making a unique story. Yeah, it seems a little different when they're two different mediums because it's not... Like, I directed my last movie and then I'm using the same stuff in my next movie if there's source material from a different genre to pull from it makes it seem as if he's well-read and he's trying to, to do nods to other it's, stuff. It, these are huge blockbuster films, and I gotta think the majority of the people who watch this movie didn't read Nightfall. Yeah. Not only because it's a comic, but it's a comic from, like, 20 years ago at this point. So, <laughs> Not only because reading... <laughs> even picture reading is too much reading. <laughs> yeah. This is jumping ahead, but the warden in that prison is Wade Williams. Who's the voice of Last Mask, the guy from Prison Break. Oh, funny. Oh! Yeah. I thought that Black dude... Mask in, in Red Hood. I thought he looked familiar. And then again, I have to mention, at the end of that kind of master plan monologue, we get that trailer line, that hook, and then when Gotham is ashes, then you have my permission to die, and... Man, such a mic drop moment before he then goes and blows up the whole fucking stadium. Um, I will say, though, the ultimate torture is that these guys are in prison. He put a TV on the other side of the bars and took the remote with him. That's just awful. (laughs) He's like, you have to watch news 24-7? I don't care if it's lights out and you're trying to sleep. You will watch this news of what I do to your city and all these hot takes from commentators. And imagine the commercials. That's just too bad. Yeah. Doesn't look like a nice prison anyway. <laughs> no yard time. All the other prisoners are jealous because he's like the only one with TV. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. A billionaire Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Guy Forks. <laughs> Gets the television, of course. He's even rich in here. I do really like No, I'm just trying to read my notes here If you were paying attention You would have laughed at the Indiana Jones reference I've never seen any of those movies Oh Oh my god Now this is the Indiana Jones (laughs) Oh my god Yeah, I think that we should put this stuff on pause Should that be We named the dogs Tommy Warm Hands should that be on bingo that we rename the show <laughs> we do that a lot Indiana Jones fanatics podcast you've never seen any of those movies that's I don't, weird I don't think so man I don't know 
I'm not a I'm big not, like insane about them, but they're good. I'm they're just, classic. I'm not a big like uh, adventure guy. I just I don't I don't know. I think they're all set in movies. Are they're as classic as the original Star Wars? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know that that is true. I just don't they're better films than care. Star Wars. I like Star Wars more, but they're better movies and stuff. I, I, can, only, I can only assume that you're a Nazi sympathizer, and you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. therefore you don't want to uh, see your people get beat up. I don't yeah, know. I thought I those that. movies are all in like fucking, uh, you know, jungles and tunnels and shit that I don't fucking care about. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> like, I will not watch a movie that has jungles or tunnels. Well, I, I mean, like spiders. Yeah, you don't like spiders, so that does make sense. Yeah, I don't know. I like a good Batman story that's in the city, you know. But once you yeah, once but, you take him out with Superman uh, and shit, it's like I don't, I don't care about all this alien shit. And that's how you feel about the jungle and tunnels. Also. No, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's just out there. From I didn't like X Men Apocalypse as much as I like X Two. Like Jungle Book One. Jungle. <laughs> <laughs> the tunnel story. The future didn't really bother you. Yeah. I never watched any of those National Geographic shows. Who <laughs> cares? Not a fan of history, animals, science. Wait, no one would ever accuse me of not liking animals. That's fucked up. Well, I don't know, I we're learning that, a lot of things about you. Yeah, you're kind of making an argument to the opposite right now. I think. I think Tucker, your cat, is your beard. He is orange, and I have a little red in here. Yeah, you've been saving your beard clippings and you <laughs> manifested it. Wow. Yeah, it's black magic. I do really like the sequence that comes after this with the stadium where a lot of things happen all at once, sort of Godfather style where the bomb's going off in the stadium. We're seeing this. Blake is driving through the city. Gordon has hitmen coming in the hospital at him. You know, a lot of things happening all at once. The cops getting stranded underground. I thought that that was a really cool sequence. And then we see the bridges go out. And we're also seeing that this draws on no man's land as well. Which is like, man, this could have easily been like its own trilogy. I feel like if there's anything that this movie loses, it's like you said, up until a certain point, it's perfect. And then it's almost like it tries to do a little too much in the back end but it it's still exciting to see all these elements come to life you know from these stories that we love i like that he puts dr pavel on the mic like explain yourself explain this device and then i'll kill you in front of all these people who's the person who can defuse it oh only you okay yeah okay just you yeah yeah, that's awesome. the only time they scream. You think they would have screamed some other moment, but the audience screams when he kills him. Yeah. It's like that's, they realize the situation they're in. Well, and they blow up Mayor Carcetti, too, from the skybox, and that's just kind of... Yeah. Everyone's so distracted in, by the main bomb, they don't even see that. In the 3D version of this movie, his eyelashes, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if you do it in slow-mo, if you watch it in slow-mo, you can freeze frame and see the eyelashes fly out... <laughs> With the glass. <laughs> Actually, they did that same technique that they used on uh, Rachel blowing up, where they do the quick flash of light on his face. Um, yeah. I, I like how those are cut. Yeah. Pow, pow. It's awesome. This is where Bruce hallucinates Ra's al Ghul and misunderstands Bane's origin story, mm-hmm. thinking that he is the child born in the prison. And again, that's a tie back to 
him being the child that serves out his father's sentence in the original story. I thought that was cool, not just as a callback to the original, but also just as a good misdirect, you know, because they're showing they're showing what happened as Bruce is picturing the guy narrating the story, you know, so like we're seeing a version of it. And then later when it comes to be, he sees clearly, oh shit, that's what this actually was. And oh, I see you're telling me this story. And in this story, the child has a buzz cut. So I would never see that when I'm picturing you telling me the story that it was a girl. All of this is in my head. So (laughs) yeah, it's unreliable. That was the joke. It is cool though in the clips that, with the child's short hair, I mean, they don't have a separate child later on, but mm-hmm. in your head, you're sold already, like, it's a boy, so this short-haired child is a boy, and then later on, it's the exact same kid, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, and even but, if you knew the true story, you'd think, oh, I see what they did, they put their own spin on it. Yeah. I also yeah, like when... Bruce first attempts to climb out and falls. Oh, by the way, that would do so much more damage to his spine than when Bane actually dropped him on his knee. But uh, it would be a perfect back to say nothing of a guy who just had a broken back. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. earlier in the film, they show a person do the same thing and implies that the person breaks their spine when they failed the jump with the rope. I mean, when, like when he falls, yes. he does just dangle lifelessly like a corpse. Yeah, um, but I, you get the impression that the person before doing the exact same thing with the rope died in the process. Just, but they didn't like splat; they just broke at the hips or something. But I'm and, Batman. Yeah, that's kicking the wall. That's Bane punching the pillow. That's all that. They're like superheroes. They're slightly super. Yeah, they shouldn't be. It doesn't make sense. But yeah, his he built a broken spine is actually extra strong now. Yeah. Also, I'm not really sold on his rehabilitation. Okay, doctor, how would you do it? I just think that their time frame is... I mean, we know, we just read two full books of Nightfall. I mean, Bruce still isn't back. We know that's going to take a long time. Exactly, and that book took me six months to read, so (laughs) it's a long time. I don't feel like his broken spine healed in a couple days. But this movie could not be dragged out to... You know, a five-hour, six-hour length to accommodate that. That's an earlier thing that bothered me. But this time and now it doesn't bother me because it's, again, it's that the whole movie is just time compressed. Yeah. Both in terms of literally the way things would happen. Like, they they couldn't happen over the time that's expressed in the movie of months. But also, everything just happens fast for the sake of it happening. The guy uses his special prison doctor skills to just like smash his back and heal him yeah and then he's back I, t- I totally he's so buy that. singularly focused so he just trains for four months or five months and now he's batman again yeah how long when they turned the reactor into a bomb how long did they say that was gonna go five months yeah okay. so i mean it's it's a good period of time it just because it's the back half of the movie they okay. sort of have to skip through it and make it feel faster is cramming a massive storyline into a single film is really hard to do. Well, I, I wasn't bothered by the edit because that stuff doesn't matter to me. Like I just watched Zodiac recently, and if you yeah. just if you give me a little subtitle and you're like three months later, I'm like done deal. Three months later, I don't care. It doesn't matter if another scene was right before it, but because I didn't remember how long the bomb was set for, 
and he wasn't even in prison for five months because I feel like they arm it even before that. Well, yeah, I mean, think but, about it. He's making that first attempt and say it's New Year's Day. He's making uh, the second attempt and it's fucking Easter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think he was in prison for most of the five months. That's how I rationalize it in my head. Yeah. Like, training his body the whole time. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't hanging from that rope for very long. No. They, the, the doctor fixed him. It's in the book. It's in the guidebook that comes with the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, you didn't read the plot holes guide that came with oh, the DVD? Gosh. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, like, maybe, maybe, like, 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 yeah, yeah, me and Ben are about to make another banger and Sam's going to try to shit on it, guys. Maybe spinal therapy in prison is like, actually a more direct holistic approach and it really expedites the healing and everything that it you know more but it's more effective yeah maybe if you're a citizen and you go to try to like repair your spine it's actually just the system charging you a bunch <laughs> you know, just really drawing out the process like one percent yeah yeah leeching off the yeah. billionaires what oh, you wait, need to do is just wait. hang up, you need to hang the rope and have an old man punch you in the back and that's pretty much <laughs> fix it lickety split what you just said about the 1%, I'm remembering now that when this came out was right around Occupy Wall Street. And I remember, God, what, I feel like it was conservatives shitting on this movie and the whole like stock market scene and, and that like, why is he inserting his liberal views and politics into this film? I was like, what are you talking about? That's again with the misdirect where it's like, if anything, this is criticizing that kind of thing because he's he's using the energy of an anti-establishment, anti-wealth movement to just destroy everything. Yeah, like, I don't think that's what the left is trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, we secretly want to destroy the left. That's our goal. So the only reason I brought up that falling from the rope was because uh, it was right on the heels of the Razel Ghoul hallucination, and then they come out of the rope after he passes out from falling with the quick why do we fall with thomas wayne from the first uh, film so they had a couple of little callbacks to the first film that i thought were very well done and not like a over the top sort of cheesy way because they could be really on the nose with their callbacks sometimes but i thought that was a really thematically effective one i thought it was good visually because the whole just propelling from a rope through uh i mean they make this prison have like a shaft opening, you know, mm -hmm. so it's like, it's very visually similar. It's like a wide well. And then also you could totally picture he's at the end of his rope. He's in a really bad place. <laughs> he's dangling from a rope. Um, I mean, he's already hallucinating Ra's al Ghul. Of course, he's going to like think of his father and like think of the lessons and stuff and like the visualizations that would come in a moment like that. I think it fits really well. It's natural. Yeah. And then as the city is coming apart, we get Selena's regret. And I think that that is such a great human quality. People talk a big game and they feel very strongly that they want other people to suffer like they have suffered. And then when she's starting to see it and they're in some person's house she doesn't know and she's looking at the family picture... And Holly's like, this is what you wanted, remember? There's a storm coming. This is this is our shit, man. And, and you over the head with this. 
and Selena's just like you can tell like no this is not oh fuck like this is not the way you know and she kind of has a, a bit of a change of heart in that moment but even when Bruce presses her on it she uh, pretends like she doesn't at least for a moment maybe this is what I wanted well yeah Why and that's care about any of that stuff? but that comes <laughs> back to the like I'm sorry you lost you know all your money and he's like no you're not you know it's just that, one of the funniest lines of the movie <laughs> that's just yeah. that's just yeah. them you know it's the the whole back yeah. and forth with them I forgot to mention one of my favorite short scenes is when uh, what's Robin's full name's character? John Blake. Robin John Blake. Robin John Blake. When I bet he was Robin John Blake because he's like, "What's your real name? Oh, you should go by your full name. It's Robin John Blake. I bet you. I bet you all of your money. It's Robin John Blake. Robin. Robin Bader Ginsburg. (laughs) When he when he uh, like despite the fact that. That I think has been promoted at this point, anyways. He goes to get Gordon from the hospital, yeah. and Gordon has already taken out the dudes who are coming to the hospital. Yep. And then he it's like, watch your corners, just, like, rookie. Him. Yeah, he comes in. He's like, clear the corners, rookie. Like one, cool. Two, called him a rookie even when he just got promoted. Like fuck yeah, like that's so dope to me. I like um, that Gordon was in a very helpless position, and that's most of what we saw prior to the movie and the trailers and stuff and we yeah. see him in the hospital bed and yet when shit hits the fan we see he's still capable you know and he's, yeah. he's still gonna give himself much like bruce he's gonna fully give himself to try to stop this what i think is awesome is even in a spot like that he's like calling the shots while being laid up like people are looking to him for advice so he's he's doing like crisis management while being laid up in a bed that just shows how thorough his thought process is. And then I also really like that when you create a character who has a rapport for being thoughtful and intelligent, then they invest in another character. They do it for a reason because they wouldn't like give responsibility or something to like a person that they didn't deem worthy. And so I like seeing his like trust and stuff evolve with, Levitt's character, mm-hmm. like, like Robin John Blake. Yeah, Robin <laughs> John Blake. Yeah, but like, yeah, uh, we we need some hotter heads around here. Why don't you? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's ditch cool. the uniform. He, he trusts him, and so he's giving him like little shoves and encouraging thought in him and stuff. Where it's clearly it's even the other guys who are like the higher ups in the department at that point. He's like, fuck this fool. Like, he's making stupid moves. He goes and calls him out at his house and stuff. But his investment in that character is awesome, and it shows there's a reason for it and it sells you on the character even further. Like I already think that this dude is intelligent and Gordon trusts him. There's a reason for it. Cause he's Robin Bader Ginsburg. Um, <laughs> when he goes to investigate this cement truck thing, it was a little silly. Cause like he immediately repeats Gordon's great detective advice. to yeah. The guys, which I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> he's like, uh, the guys like, Oh, yeah, we were blocking the road that one time. Must have been a coincidence. Oh, no. Wait a second. When you're, when you're a detective, there are no coincidences. Yeah, just like showing your cards. Here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. I don't believe you. My note doesn't make like a ton of sense, so I'm trying to picture exactly what it is, but I know that it's an interaction between him and Gordon both times, but there's like a scene, one right after the other, where in the first one, he's like, we got to keep you off camera. That's dangerous. It's like right around the whole Bain courthouse thing or something. And Gordon's like, I gotta get on camera. I gotta be like a symbol to the people or something. I gotta let him know that like I'm here. I can be a leader or something. Yeah. And he's like, No, not on camera. 
camera. And then in the very next scene, he says, we're just going to keep moving you until we can get you on camera. Like, he instantly goes back on the thing that he said in those scenes. I didn't catch there that. Was th- there was three months between those scenes. They just, in the movie time. Oh. In real life, it was... Is that what it is? No, t- no I don't know. Oh, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I gotta go back and find it, but it's like it's like one scene right after another, and I don't get the feeling that time has lapsed, and he's like, I gotta get on camera. And he goes, no, we're not gonna get you on the camera. And then in the next scene, he's kill. like, we gotta keep it moving until we can get you on camera, because now that is a good idea. Interesting. He's the underling. He caved. Yeah, that's true. He just has to accept Gordon's mustache power and... Uh, <laughs> Move on. <laughs> How about uh, Jonathan Crane's kangaroo court cameo? I thought that was cool. It made me think of Sleepy Hollow and the guy who sends off Johnny Depp in the first place because the their little judge stand tower is super tall at the back of the room. And yeah. It just felt like that to me. It felt like another nod to uh, No Man's Land also. With the only little vignette we see of another Gotham supervillain. Yes. In this situation, taking advantage of it. <laughs> it makes me wonder how him and Bane linked up and how he ended up in that position. <laughs> I'm not going to tell the joke because I would tell it badly, but the whole death or exile, you know? And he's like, exile. He's like, all right, death by exile. You know, it's like, oh, shit, you know? He says, he but, says death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I'm not gonna, you think we're going to walk out of that ice willingly? Okay. Okay. But yeah. the... Death. the uh, yeah. <laughs> right. But the whole premise of it being like the same thing, basically, mm-hmm. but one of them tortures you more, is yeah. uh, the same premise of a Gilbert Gottfried joke. And it, it's terrible. It's like, basically, like these guys are captured. They don't understand the language. They're like in a foreign country or something. And they're like, all right, so you can choose. They're pointing to one of the captured guys, you know, like, death or Ugu. And he's like, Ugu, you know, he doesn't know what that means. And so he chooses that. Then everyone just like gangbangs this dude and it's just terrible, (laughs) right? You know, it's Gilbert Godfrey, so it's just like the most filthy details, you know, super funny. And then they kill the guy. And so for the next guy, it's like, so death or Ugu? He's like, death, please. Oh, God. Yeah, you know? I don't want that. But yeah, I remember watching this and thinking like, hey, that's the same premise as that fucking horribly <laughs> yeah. filthy joke. They yeah. yeah, yeah. Minus the butt stuff. You took it upon yourself to put the butt stuff in there. I didn't tell you anything about that. Uh, well, he's a guy. So there's only one place for the stuff, really. It could have just been rubbing. I don't know. It could have been over the clothes rubbing. Uh, yeah, and over the clothes rubbing gangbang. That happens all the time. I just love, there's only one place for the stuff to go. <laughs> uh, I mean, otherwise I would think that the guy would be like, yeah, sure, Ugu or whatever. Yeah. I- yeah, rub, rub up on <laughs> rub my Rub my stuff. I like when uh, Gordon comes to bang on Foley's door. Bang and, on Foley. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> they, they have their Ugu montage. Yeah. He's like, look, you can't hide out in here. We need help. I'm not saying you've got to walk down Maine in your dress blues, which is then foreshadowing the end of the film. Um, but it was sort of, it took this moment to sort of galvanize his strengthen in his purpose 
to actually come out and fight again. Because, I mean, how terrifying would that be? I mean, we're living in times right now where it's like, yeah, this could happen tomorrow. We could have our own no man's land, you know? We've been, everyone was scared when we were locked up for the pandemic. And then it's like, oh shit, we got the military in the streets because of protests. It's like, oh, I can only imagine a lot of these people would be just trying to stay home and protect their families. Yeah, I'm not running around. Well, I like that character too, the character of Foley, because he starts out a little like slimy or unlikable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But over the course of the film, he just is a very believable an understandable character. And he says, like, I'm not going out there. And Gordon's like, oh, come on. Remember when we used to patrol together? And, you mm-hmm. know, there's always a chance that someone's going to shoot you in the back when you were doing the patrol in this terrible city. He's like, yeah, well, that's different because now these people are, they made a deal with the government. It's not the same thing. Yeah. No, I just want to hide in here and be safe like everybody else. Makes Gordon look like a badass too for being willing to go confront that guy at his home about that. You know, if you think back to year one and, and a lot of the world that this was based off of, the parallels of Gordon and Bruce that we constantly saw in that they are really just two sides of the same coin and they are both so willing to do anything to try to turn back the clock on some of this shit. Mm-hmm. If you could just go back over that Gilbert Godfrey thing again, but in voice, I would appreciate it. <laughs> a man walks into a bar. <laughs> I gotta be careful. I already feel like I'm losing my voice. We got another episode to do. Well, later. Move your body. Be in the sunlight. That's the cause of a lot of your problems. Go outside. Walk around. What? Wait. What are all of my problems? <laughs> you need me to tell you your problems. <laughs> we were talking before about Batman. How it should have ended. I watched that for this movie, and they talk about the scene where Gordon walks out on the ice with his dudes, right? And he reaches down, and there's this flare. And he lights the flare, and Batman's like, light it up, right? And so, the, so, so like, Batman escapes the prison and then spends hours putting gasoline on the side of this bridge to make the bat symbol because there's no bat signal left. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought that was a pretty valid point. It's cool looking, it's though. It's nonsense. They, it's complete nonsense. They needed it for uh, the poster. How would you even drip gas on there in a way that would make a symbol like if you just pour if you poured it on the walls from the top it would just start at the top and run to the bottom so you just have like a big fire square it's gotta be a gelatin an elaborate scaffolding system he had specially designed adhesive kerosene took him six weeks so he must have got there early and then left you know what that's what what rich people do and he's probably thinking well they've already blown up the middle of this bridge anyway they're gonna have to replace it so might as as well set it on fire I've always wanted to be a street artist it's time for me to dabble <laughs> this is batman's yeah. banksy he is a master of everything so street art is probably in his <laughs> you know who does that better the crow his is an outline on the ground that does make sense and he's supernatural also but i, I can also see this being his art this more, the, makes more sense that's your opinion i think batman's better artist <laughs> it could be another crazy Batman thing where Batman has just... Having money doesn't make you better at stuff, Ben. But it doesn't prevent you from being better at stuff either. Batman is better. He has painted elaborate bat symbols all over the city just in case he ever needs to do this. So that was the one nearest to where our characters were. Because he always really, plans really ahead. that the gasoline would like evaporate before all these... It's not gasoline. It's a Wayne Tech polymer oh. special R&D <laughs> government defense contract. 
Wait, I heard Riley in the background. That's a bingo point. Hey, if anybody's playing Batman bingo. <laughs> so, I think we need to designate. Can I be like the game show host guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, the boss. I can't, I can't wait for Amber to hear the whole section about how her ass is going to kill you in the future. Oh, don't try and point to there now that she said you couldn't be the game show host. <laughs> I think it's bad enough that I shit on you, but now you got to get it at home, too. <laughs> I don't even know if she just heard that or if that's just her, like, gut reaction, like, no. Just, uh, <laughs> she was saying no to Riley, probably. Yeah. Oh, that's true, no. actually. Thank you, Ben. That's probably no it. Ben already talked about the bad fight choreography in the beginning, so we don't have to talk about the scene where he rescues John Blake. But that, That's the other one that has the guy who just goes, and then falls over. People run up to him with their guns in their hands instead of pulling the triggers. There's a villain in that scene who just stands there and moves around and falls over. I think that when the cops get freed, the fact that they aren't like almost entirely shot by those guys doesn't make a ton of sense to me at all. Like Bane's gang and the cops are facing off against each other. Once the two groups together, then it would be really hard to shoot anybody because you'd be so worried about like shooting your own guy that you wouldn't shoot them so much. Bane's not worried about that. <laughs> They're all going to die in the blast. That's the problem this movie has with action and motion, and it gets Shooting worse people. as the movie goes on. Yeah, just like a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense, and it's another one of those things like with the other ones where you just it works if you're just on board for the ride and you go, oh, it's dramatic and exciting and uh, theatrical. And but like when they're fighting on the steps, that uh, also is kind of especially it. on a theater. I mean, it's just so consuming. It's amazing these, it's these loud, shots and the scope of having hundreds of extras and all this shit. I mean, it, that's really awe-inspiring when you see it on the big screen. Not Ben, though. He's not even looking at the main characters. Ben is looking at all the other characters all the time. Yeah. He sees all that stuff. Yeah. Ben's falling asleep like his dad. <laughs> it wasn't actually yeah. fast enough to make it. <laughs> boring, yeah. I watched this movie after my dad fell asleep during the dark night. I just let him snooze and I put this one on. <laughs> He's still here. He won't He's in a very deep sleep. <laughs> we already talked about the bad choreography, but... The uh, line that's now become iconic during the pandemic is that, you know, the mask is not for you. It's to protect the people you care about. I like that I've seen little, like, cartoons of that or memes of that coming back from that scene. I even saw it on a fucking, like, movie theater billboard. There was a photo of that going around. But I thought that that was using a good Batman moment. It's like in Justice League when he's like, just save one person, you know? It's like one of those good, inspirational little Batman lines that could actually do good in the real world. I thought that was cool that... My mom's name is Martha. <laughs> yeah, that one. It also applies. Let's see. Uh, Selena gets the bat pod and automatically knows how to use it and is insulted he would even ask. I, I do like the uh, part where she's kind of pleading with him to just bail. <laughs> just bail. Christian. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to set off my Evan. Um <laughs> Triggers, but uh, yeah, you did it, but you did it, bro. Yep, I triggered you, but I, I like the whole you've given them everything, not everything, not yet. The way that that line is delivered, I really like. You know, people talk about Bale's delivery, and this is the poorest in terms of the three films. Uh, he has a strong lisp in a lot of it, but his accent falls apart the most when he's Batman, yeah. But I thought that that scene was really well played visually later on especially mostly around the boat 
motorcycle times. I don't know that it was intentional or, or not, but it made me think of Anne's figure. I don't know if they did anything to like a corset or something to thin her in the hips or anything like that. But because she's wearing this dark thing, sometimes you get these shots where really that's all you've got. No details, just like the dark silhouette. silhouette of her shape. And it made me think of Batman the Animated Series and how thin Catwoman's like hips are, like her waist down to her hips are like very defined shapes. It's a cartoon, obviously. Yeah. But then it also made me, because it's just solid black too, also made me think of Eartha Kit and the old yeah. Batman at the same time. And same thing, because it's a little more old-timey, so everything was very like triangular hips or triangular waistline. And like modifying a woman's figure was more... Exactly. So I don't know that they did that in this or not. Or if she was picked because of physical similarities or something, but it she probably was, got like a really good shape too. I think. Yeah, but it was cool. Like, oh yeah, that does make me actually that resembles this character from previous incarnations. I watched a lot of the cast interviews the other day, just in prepping for this, and every single Anne Hathaway interview, they're like, "Oh my god." That was so great. You got to be Catwoman. You know, they talk about her doing her own stunts. They're like, you are in such good shape. Like, what did you do to get so, like, and every single person is saying that. She's like, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of training for the stunts. I and the exercised a bunch. Professionals helped me exercise. But it was I like. less than I normally would, and it was healthier on average. But it was like too much in one of the <laughs> interviews this dude takes it too far. She doesn't let him off the hook at all. And just uh, over the end of the day, too, of interview yep. after interview. Yep. After interview. <laughs> Same question. And he's like, you just look so good. He's like, I mean, you're so fit. I mean, you're always fit, but like, how did you like slim down to fit into the, and she's like, did you just ask me how much weight I lost or whatever? And like <laughs> fucking. Uh, and, and you used to be kind of fat. On, watches. Say, for an actress, you're fat. But like, and now you look less fat. Now I just want how? How did you do it? She lets the dude totally like panic and then laughs in his face. And I thought on one hand, that is as much as you could fight back in those circumstances. But she also was playing it off as if like, oh, d no, no, I'm just messing with you, whatever. So like, I wasn't sure, but I, it seemed like she was probably really sick of everyone being like, oh, you used to be so hideous, but in this one, you're fucking on <laughs> fire, you know? I know you did a lot of work for this movie, uh, preparing for the character, you know, really investing in the scenes and playing that dynamic of, of how Catwoman can be one thing in one moment and another thing in another moment. That's great, but tell me about your fucking bod. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of that is just the repetitious questions regarding Hollywood vanity stuff because so much of that, you know, here we're talking about them as artists and like cinema as an art form, yeah. but so much of Hollywood is just glamorous beautiful bullshit that it would be weird to be a person who was taking the art form seriously and then having to exist in the world of like paparazzi and tabloids and yeah it would be just as annoying like so many people on instagram like artists that i follow are constantly fielding questions regarding like what tools they use like what number two pencil do you use yeah. and they're like fuck you buy a pencil and figure out how to use a pencil like stop asking me these questions like a pencil doesn't make you dope you know well yeah and but it's sort of like you know you don't see daniel day lewis on jimmy fallon 
Sure. You know, a lot of these people, they want to continue their career and their status, and so they just have to play into this stupid shit in press junkets, yeah. you know? It's part, it's part of what they do, yeah. Yeah, you put, like, full shifts in just doing, like, press interviews or something. That's just, like, one yep. months around yeah. the world. Yep. Yeah, it's got to be mind-numbing. And these people are good at pretending, so they're suited to it, but, yeah, it's got to be not... In- not enjoyable. I mean, just picture yeah. Lost in Translation when Bill Murray is just like a shell of a man doing these alcohol <laughs> ads, you know? Interesting, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I was thinking that too watching this, and that's kind of a, that's a thing I guess in Hollywood in general, and especially blockbuster movies, that like the expectations of women actors. I was like, so Christian Bale, Christian Bale's a handsome guy, but maybe it's because I'm not all that into dudes like you don't know, exactly <laughs> but he put work into his body sure and like Tom Hardy's kind of pretty but it's not yeah and then you compare that to Marion Cotillard and Anne Hathaway and they're like model level attractive you know, to, so to be a woman actor in these movies you have to act just as well as anyone else and you also have to be like one of the prettiest people ever well and there's a sexuality in a Catwoman character anyway but yes in general absolutely <laughs> Christian Bale couldn't play Catwoman no. That'd be a weird interpretation. <laughs> I think that it would it would be sad as a as a woman to to really put a lot into a role, and all these people are investing a lot of their time and energy into this stuff. These are like really long projects that don't come out and see the light of day until you know, like a year after the fact and stuff. And then to have people ask you super just stupid, superficial questions like that, you know, you can be yeah. a lady playing a pilgrim in a period piece and then people would talk to you about your titties and stuff like I was wearing a bonnet the whole time you know, like, you know because people will still find ways to make it about beauty and skin and, yeah, and, and I, sexuality I, and stuff I think that's right on and Catwoman is a sexualized character but in this and movie and stuff like not gonna make it sound like a hypocrite like oh, that's yeah. awesome yeah it's, I mean, but, we watch and, and, comic book stuff because it's people who are stronger and faster and smarter than us and, and more attractive. Yeah, more attractive than us, you know? And like everyone. Hey, who doesn't like. Who doesn't like seeing Power Girl titties? I mean, everybody likes Power Girl titties, you know? It's like, sure, that's part of it. But in this movie, again, like we talked earlier about her performance and the way that she like stops on a dime and flips back and forth and, and is just yeah. so duplicitous and, and so effective. It just, I feel like she should get more credit for this character. For sure. I think she's burdened by the, the overall or the general distaste this movie gets. Yeah. Compared to the others that just kind of falls, that, that seeps into everything, including her as Catwoman. Yeah. I like that the only real nod to her being actually Catwoman is her little, like, lens kitty ears, like, when yeah. her little lenses are tipped up, because otherwise it's just, you're wearing a dark suit because you're sneaky and you're robbing places at night. There's no other real Catwoman anything. She, she has the cat ears in the dance, too. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Actually, right. I, nobody calls her Catwoman. They don't say Catwoman ever in the movie. No, they're like Catman. <laughs> Catman, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, Ben was a consultant on this, remember? <laughs> Actually, uh, when I got the Hot Toys figure for Anne Hathaway's Catwoman, it's so weird because the goggles, you know, they contour to your face, you know, yeah. and they go around your face, right, around your eyes, right? And they're curved in this direction. And so then when you take that and you slide it up your head, 
Well, it would still follow the curve of your head. And so what she actually does is takes the up and then flips the lenses and inverts them so they point upward like that. Because naturally, it would still hug your head. And so when I first got it and I was trying to figure it out, I'm like, why doesn't this fucking look right? Like, this is so weird. And then, I, yeah, you have to, like, loosen it, flip it upside down, and then seat it down. I always thought they were, like, really dramatic Speedos. Where the, the inner eye part went on the face, but then they went off straight away from the face on angles so that they would be almost like Mr. Freeze goggles or something where they stick off your face, oh, but yeah. only on the edges. In my mock-ups that I did for the film, that's what they looked like. <laughs> In the storyboards. Did her figure come with a big old, like, anatomically correct wiener? <laughs> no, just the Bane. Like huge long wiener, very small waist. She was eight feet tall. They didn't quite use everything I had, but... You know. I feel like I have to explain that now. If you don't follow the uh, <laughs> the Instagram page, when I got this Bane figure, it was like a... It wasn't Hot Toys, it was a knockoff. And so they recommend you buy this generic body with it, and then they have the costume and the head and stuff, and so... I ordered them as a pair like they recommend. When I took the body out of the box, it's just a naked man's body. They give you um, the hands and, and the, the feet and the different options, right? But then there's two little things wrapped up that you can't see what they are. And I pulled one of them out and I found a flaccid cock and balls. Me and my wife are there opening this up together, just <laughs> laughing, right? And then she that has... I had already... <laughs> I had already given her the other wrapped up package, right? Package. And um, we're like, oh my God, what? which one do you have? And so she unwraps it and it's this massive boner. And then I started looking up this figure, like, wait a second. So what are people using this for? You know, like, type in the search engine, you're like, boner no, I received in the mail. <laughs> Veiny Venom Bane Boner. Bane Boner. I think the body is called Fiken. It's like a Fiken M35 or something like that. So I just looked up reviews of that. I, I, I was like, man, are people making like action figure pornos with these? Or like, what is the, the goal I here? I hope so. You hope so? <laughs> it's super dope that it's somebody's job to like manufacture these little, <laughs> these little dicks and like, you know, air rush little. And they're over it. It was quite accurate, too. <laughs> oh, man. I, I bet somebody's got, like, watchmaking, you know, Swiss watchmaking glasses on, just, like, painting veins and do you think? Do you think they went off photos, so. or was it, like, a painter who really needs someone to be in the room? Probably the second one. Uh, you always have to have a model. Yeah. Well, I think Evan was referring to a different long wiener thing. He's talking about the uh, Tim Sale Catwoman. The tail. No, I was thinking about the figure. Uh, also, I, I like that whole story because it's like um, because I know how excited you are about stuff. So I'm picturing it's like it's like you and lady, and it's Christmas, and then and then you get to these other like little wrapped up like mini dicks, and like you're super pumped, and then that's what you find. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good laugh. It's, it's exciting. So I have to get into the third act of the movie here. This is where. A lot of the issues happen. We talked about the big showdown where you've got Bane's whole gang and all the cops. They're storming the courthouse or wherever they're at. And that's when we get this line. I think I mentioned on the Dark Knight episode where, you know, nuts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bane, 
Bane gives him the whole like, so you came to die with your city, you know? And it's like, yeah, that's cool. I don't mind that. And then the camera stops moving and Batman stands there and stares at him and goes, no, I came to stop you. And then split second, they take a beat. So you can be like, you heard that cool, yeah. cool line, everybody? Oh, yeah. yeah. And then they go and fight. And I'm like, that is the dumbest fucking shit. Because as they're walking through the crowd toward each other, they're fucking shit up. And they're like building towards it. And there's this anticipation. And then they just ruin all the momentum with the dumb fucking villain dialogue. To say nothing of the fact that when they stand there staring at each other, you can really appreciate that they're surrounded by hundreds of vectors just kind of shaking each other back and forth. Just like a medieval fight. <laughs> yeah, just, nobody they really are, they, Yeah, everybody in the medieval fight honors like the one-on-one <laughs> battle technique. They, they never like take out a rogue person just standing there. Like, like two of oh, them gang up and kill somebody. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's well, like, oh, he's delivering a dope line. Let's leave him alone. <laughs> quiet. What I wondered about when I watched this was with all the extras fighting each other, right? Is that pushing each other? Like to what extent? (laughs) Well, like when they're rushing, you know, and they're doing like the sick of it all wall of death. What (laughs) is choreographed? Because do you take like the first 10 guys in the line, right? And go, okay, you and him are going to run into each other and do this move, right? You and him are going to run into you do this move. And the rest of you guys just fucking run behind them, right? Or is it just like, all right, everybody just fucking run this way and use your moves? Like, how detailed do they get in something like that that's so massive? That makes sense. I think that's about right. You guys are going to engage each other. That way you wouldn't have one guy kind of like attacking the dude like to his diagonal. You know, you'd pretty much take on the dude who was in front of you and then everybody else, though push through the line, try to get to the next guy. Maybe they have some of the very front stuff kind of choreographed. You know, Sam punches me and I fall. And then the guy behind us, though, that's kind of a free-for-all after that. You know, maybe some of the initial impact is, but I think after that it's like pretend to hurt each other until we call cut on this shot. So that was my first uh, strike one was that dialogue there. But I really do like the intensity once... Once Batman disables Bane's mask and he starts having to kind of fight one-handed and he's panicking, we get this great shot where it's like a video game and someone is just pushing all the buttons at once and fucking Bane does that like combo move, punches out the pillar. Like I I fucking love how he's just wilding out like there at the end. (laughs) Well, having watched MMA stuff, there's no rules against attacking somebody who's been injured in a certain way. Um, so Batman, it was revealed to Batman that, that Bane is injured, Bane is in pain, the mask helps manage the pain. So if somebody revealed his weakness to it, that helps, and you would want to attack that, just chip away the thing that you know is doing the most damage. I imagine, like, and I didn't even appreciate that any other time I've seen this movie, and when he damages the mask, it's now he's like exposing him to extreme pain. Yes. And so now he's losing yeah, a little he's, bit. And that's why he's flying into the rage of yeah. just like body shots and punching the pillar and just punching anything near him and in front of him. For sure. He's now distracted. He's not focused. The pain is holding him back. And I think that that's 
the majority of it. Yeah, I mean, he's sort of the same desperate that Bruce was when they first met. Sure, sure. Yeah, totally. You've exposed a weakness, whatever that weakness is. Before, it was just Batman's lack of strength compared to Bane's strength. And then Batman kind of cripples him in this part, and his vulnerability creates the opening. And specifically, and he's been for five months too, he doesn't underestimate him. He's ready for this fight. Yes, he's been yeah. healing his spine in a stone prison <laughs> and rock climbing. He's good to go for a fight. And specifically, the way that the mask is cut using the gauntlet, I think it was in the IMDb trivia. I forget where I picked this up, but someone pointed out that all three films use those gauntlets in the final showdown with the main villain with Ra's al Ghul. He does the, how about this? You know, and cuts the sword and with the Joker, he's got him pinned down and he's got the detonator in his hand. And that's when he shoots them to knock the detonator out of his hand. And so I thought that was pretty cool. The way that they found ways to use the technology that he had not invented, but, that him and Fox had sort of teamed up on and, and thought this is going to be the shit that I, that I will need to be a good fighter out there. So you know? Part of his fundamental weapons. Yes, and again, tie back to the League of Shadows training and stuff and to see him still using all those same things but in new ways each time is, is great. Mm-hmm. There's so many things where maybe I was just like a slave to the... Um to like the group think of this movie is bad. Yeah. I never thought this movie was bad, but there were, there's definitely a time like four years ago where I didn't like it as much as I do now. Like I really enjoyed it this time watching it and thinking about the ending of how like Bane goes down just with Catwoman shooting him and thinking that was lame, but that's not really how he goes down. Batman beats him. Yeah. That's the end. And then everything that happens after that is just a little separate thing. Yeah. Bane's end is Batman beating him. That's the end of the story. Yes. He isn't the pain that has the benefit of venom. He is just a thick, strong human. But even in the uh, comics, the whole idea of Batman losing is just because he's at the end of his ability. Yeah. Like if he was completely fresh and wouldn't have been worn down, he might have beat him then too. And they do this uh, in a great way because you can't do the whole first book of Nightfall in a film, you can't do that. So the fact that they use Bane after an eight-year gap of him just being decrepit and yes, exactly. Like that was a really smart way to adapt this character and the storyline. Visually, though, the Batman from Nightfall looks like more of a breakable character than the live-action Batman, though, because Nightfall Batman is still wearing spandex and how. Oh yes. There's, there's no armor. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Ben said I, he oh, wasn't. I, noticed. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, I noticed. <laughs> ben said he wasn't really into guys, but he didn't specify how much. Even opening. I know that when, when Ben talks about his lack of attra- attraction to men, it's in real life, but not to cartoons and comic books. Like that's where that's where don't it's all avenues off. Is what yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's best to be available. <laughs> I'm open. But he seems, that's how Bane seems to me also, like stronger than a normal person, endured circumstances that a normal person hasn't endured, but still human. And he doesn't even have the benefit of the technology that Bruce does, because he doesn't have the funding and he doesn't have all the tech. 
That's true. So I mean, shoot him and he dies. That's how it works. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. an intellectual match. He's a match in terms of training and physicality. But yeah, yeah he doesn't. He, again, he's not afraid. He's not afraid of anything. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't have the same resources. Sure. The only thing I would, because I thought too, along with that, realizing that the mask is a painkiller, basically. Mm. If there's anything there with like the venom, the idea that he doesn't feel as much pain, physical pain. Yep. Because the mask is pumping him with painkillers or drugs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, just you saying that and like painkillers made me think of like any time that I've had surgery and like they give you Vicodin, but all it does is make me like wear pajamas and sit on the couch under blankets. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you took your pain like that? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just like, why is he so angry? Then, like, like if it was me, I'd be like, I'd be, yeah, I'd be like the blanky bandit or something. Like, I don't even know why he's mad. If he's on morphine all the time, then you'd think he would just be uh, just the chillest dude. That was actually one of the shots that I took a screenshot from Nightfall was Bane in full costume but with his mask off watching TV, like watching the news about Batman and stuff. Um, But one thing I'm really glad we didn't get, and I I tip my hat to Nolan for this, we have this very Darth Vader-like portrayal of Bane. And in the end, when his mask is damaged, we do not get a Return of the Jedi mask off reveal you know Bruce Bruce come closer I I just I really liked because they could have easily gone that way like you never let Tom Hardy's face really emote that much besides his eyes and the fact that they never go there when it would be a selling point I think um, Uh, I I appreciate that well you see his face in the flashback but that's before he's Bane so that's okay yeah and that's barely Well, and because... I watched the movie in slow-mo, you bastard. I thought you always watch it sped up. He's watching it right now. (laughs) Yeah, in (laughs) slow-mo. I see it. (laughs) He, because... um, I don't know, this is about real time. (laughs) His his character isn't who you thought he was anyways, so unmasking is kind of irrelevant. He's the Joker! Yeah, he's actually a girl. (laughs) It's Andrea Beaumont. What's taking off his mask isn't going to show you anything that actually has any kind of relevance. What matters is he wasn't the character that you thought of in the past and they've been working together on something. So right here, this is where my strike two happens when the scene moves to the interior. Bruce is on 11. He is fucking freaking out and you know the whole where is the trigger he would never give it to an ordinary shit or turn you know and, and he's you know i don't i don't love the speech stuff but i don't mind to that extent because he is so off the rails emotional so angry it, it i get it he's just giving it everything he's got fine but what i don't like is that then the talia reveal and the knife twist right this dude just beat bane in hand-to-hand combat and you have this small woman kneeling right in your face with this knife that's in your side and he doesn't knock out this woman and take the fucking knife out yeah instantly i would see that you'd be shocked for a second but you're fucking batman so you should have set on fire you should have literally removed that threat before your head was turned to see who it was that yeah, that, that strike two 
is this whole fucking, oh, my father's plan, and let me tell you all about Bane's backstory relationship. And we like, don't have time. I so know, to but like, the scene that doesn't make sense. But Batman's just sitting, he fucking, he literally begs. He says, please don't. He's fucking begging her, like, knock this bitch out. I think the detective Batman came in and he's like, but I got to know the backstory. The curiosity. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'll take the knife just as long as it takes for you to tell me. I'll... So that short-haired boy. Climbing, what are you talking about? What short-haired boy are you talking yeah, yeah. about? So wait, no, I saw him in the flashbacks. I, Batman, was watching the movie. <laughs> so it wasn't a boy. Okay, I got it. You just have to endure the knife and then you can backhand the girl. <laughs> I, I, it's not polite to back punch a girl until you know why she's stabbing you. Okay, that's chivalry. Like Marion Cotillard a lot, and I kind of think even more than Catwoman, the character is wasted. I appreciate shoehorning Talia Al Ghul in and tying it to the first movie. I like all that. Yeah, but like the half joking, but not really part of me is like I want a three minute Talia Al Ghul versus Catwoman fight scene. Where you see her do some awesome stuff, dude. Like, that was, you just said that, and I'm like picturing that final showdown. Selena's fucking there, dude. That would have been so much better. Because Talia's a master assassin too. That's why Bruce likes her. Yeah, that's part of the dynamic of that. So, oh my god, have this other stuff, dude. Can, can, just, picture that. Weird. Picture that. Catwoman rolls in, blast Bane, right? But fucking Talia's still there. The two of them go at it while Bruce is all fucking fixing his goddamn tourniquet over here, right? He's, he's, he's got to go get to the bomb. He's, he's, mo- he's moaning in the background. Oh, man. I love that, though, because then, I mean... He's he could- rubbing his cod piece. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like the scene where the bat is chasing her through the city, and you have the, like, heat-seeking missiles. Like, the t- he's fighting his own tech with the tumblers coming at him and shit. I think that shit's really cool-looking. But it would have been equally, if not cooler, you're right, if Talia and Selena go at it in that sequence right there, and then the timer, Ev's favorite part, the real-time 11-minute timer is going, <gasps> and then he's got a fucking... There was a minute there that seemed like it was a very long minute. May- I maybe, time, I don't know. I didn't think to time it. But then he's got to still go take the bomb out of the city. You can still have all the shit with John Blake on the bridge. I like that shit with him trying to rescue the kids. It's sort of the... Um, the Avengers, you know, showing the civilians impacted thing, but it's done better. I just think all of that works, but man, that extra little showdown would give Talia more weight, and then Selina takes her out one way or another, and Batman still has to go save the day with the bomb. Like, that would have been fucking awesome. Not everything has to be a fight, and movies don't always need more action, more fights, but that's a time, I think that's appropriate for that character. It would have given her more to do, and it could have added more weight to that scene instead of her just showing up and shooting Bane with a gun. And with Talia just stab and not move, that's not showing any sort of training or, or prowess, really. She's the only other person who climbed out of that prison as a child. Yeah. She'd be a fucking badass also. So what if Bane is disabled, right? Either from the pain or from Catwoman, right? And then Talia reveals herself by then fighting Batman. That would work, too. Stabs him and then kicks the shit out of him because she's also extremely tough and now he's stabbed. Exactly, which puts him at enough of a disadvantage just like he was in the beginning with the first Bane fight. Fuck, yeah. I I like this version. Let's make it. I think, though, that what 
you guys are like desiring this fight from a fanboy perspective. And, Shut up. Uh, you are. You, you are. You know, having listened to you guys talk for the last forty-five minutes about this fight, that I think that. So picture you not having any comic book experience and not even actually knowing who these characters are. So I already know what you're going to say. Yeah, pre- 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 yeah, yeah, pretend that you're a less educated, less attractive person and you don't know anything about Batman. I can't and, do the second one. I can yeah, do the no, one. I know. It's fucking hard for me too. But so Lady stabs, Lady shoots, bang, bow, and now they're in a brawl. Like, this girl previously was just, like, a scientific mind at the head of Wayne Corps, and now she is fighting Batman toe-to-toe. The whole point of that scene is the twist that she's not who she says she is. I know, but I think that would be a lot. That would be... I agree with you. Okay. The filmmakers would have to do more. I think the scenes are there, but the filmmakers would have have to done a little more laying the groundwork for that. But, for you to buy into her suddenly being a ninja also. But right there, like, they're doing... I don't know who this is. I don't read comic books. But check but it out. Yeah. As she's monologuing with the knife in his side, they're showing flashbacks to the prison and shit, right? Use that. Use that same fucking technique as yeah. Bane's fighting and she's climbing out or whatever. Just use the same exact technique and show some of the shit that Bane taught her when she was a child or whatever. It's right there. You could do it. But then we might have had to cut down on like 30 or 40 minutes of just for love it. And I don't know. <laughs> Robin's pretty central to this movie. Yeah, I think it was a lot. I think it's more just appealing to the people who don't have a knowledge of the source material. And so that just makes it like more palatable to not have to digest that she one stabbed Batman Two, there was a twist. Three is actually equipped for hand-to-hand combat yeah. between either Catwoman or Batman. That's yeah. completely fair. That's very That's fair. That's a fucking lot at the end of the movie. And then you'd be like, oh yeah, and then that lady also sleepily dies in a semi-truck crash. <laughs> no. No, that's what I'm saying. I, that would not have occurred in this other version. She would have been taken well, out in that fight scene. Okay, well, those are two different she scenes. Gets, she gets taken out by Catwoman. Batman just has to take out somebody else. Oh, she dies right there? The yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Batman just has okay. to take the bomb out. You could even have earlier in the movie her do something physical, not like ninja level, but be like... You're right. You know, just, like somebody attacks her or something, and she takes him down. Like what you thought well, was helpless. Yeah, dude, because like, they were they were taken on a river or something. No, like no, they were taken hostage. Remember, the, all the Wayne board members were taken hostage. We could have used uh, yeah. something like that in that scene. But don't you think that would reveal too much of this potential? I mean, but again, like, oh, think about like survival skills, not like fight skills. Like he said, it could be a parallel to it that shows physical ability without showing like fighting capability. Yeah, there's a lot of nuclear physicists who are also karate she's masters. She's not a physicist. She's just like a titan of industry. Yeah, she's like a philanthropist. She seems she's to like know a, a lot she's about evil Bruce Wayne. No, she seems to know a lot about green tech, just like Bruce Wayne. Um, I forgot to mention that when, <laughs> when, when, no, when I know, no, I just, I just back in the notes when Bruce gets back to being Bruce, kind of, and then they have that like charity thing that's really her charity thing. Yeah, all of the stuff that he says to her is so cringy. Like he seems like such a dick. I love it because he's getting to uh, flex his douche character again. Yeah, every one of his lines is like, oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Let me just eat this foot. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> no, he's nagging her. Bruce Wayne is always <laughs> nagging. He knows. Yeah. He knows how you get a, a beautiful rich woman. You just insult her. And he's like, I hope that this lady dies in a car crash, <laughs> <laughs> and that I'm there to see it. <laughs> so we sort of talked about. There's the cool like Batwing chase thing. By the way, they do awesome shit with it, but the design of the bat is really stupid looking to me. Bro, is it stupid? Or yes. is it practical? You're just mad because it's not shaped like a bat. Can it be both? No. Yeah. It, a, oh, bat, no I mean. a, bat, a bat wing with a really wide wingspan doesn't fit in alleys. What they propose oh, does I d- fit I in do. alleyways. I love that part, though, when it is parked in the alley after the, the stock market chase scene. Yeah. Foley's finally got him cornered. It's all blacked out. You can't see what's going on, but there's a million cop cars. Like, all right, we got him. And then uh, he fucking flies out of there and... John Blake turns to Foley and he's like, are you sure it was him? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think what I like about that too is that when we talked about the tumbler and like it's flat plates being, being reminiscent of like current radar deflecting technology, that's also how his plane strikes me too is one, it's compact and it fits in a place where there's very tight spaces and two it is propelled like a drone yeah and it's fan propelled and that makes it one super maneuverable and two really quiet and that makes sense i like it's, those scenes that are flying away seeing how it's propelled by those like rotors underneath yeah. exactly it operates more like a helicopter and actually it would be like more quiet than that so to sort of wrap it up here the there's a lot that happens here that's crammed into the end. Strike one was the, no, I'm here to stop you. Strike two, we have Miranda's knife twisting, and I'll lump that in with her death scene, with Talia's death scene. We already talked about that. Now we have... Maybe it was a mannequin that they put in that truck. They just superposed her face. over. That would make a lot of sense, actually. I like where you're coming from. I have to take my baby to the baby daycare today, so I would like you guys to... Yeah, she called it pregnant. <laughs> they, they just used the rehearsal take. <laughs> but at the end here, again, I'm always taken back to the first viewing in the theater. I mean, and this is one where, like, Ev and I were on tour, and our last show was in San Jose, and I was like, we're driving home now in the middle of the night so I could take a nap and go to the Batman premiere tonight. And I mean, I was fucking stoked. What tour was that? It was the Cat's Pajamas, I think. Yes. Yeah, so we came all the way from Stockton or San Jose or something. I took a nap, went to the premiere. I was so excited. I remember watching this final scene where he flies the bomb off into the horizon we had just had that great scene with Gordon as he's getting in to fly away. He's like, wait, I never asked who you are or whatever, you know. It's just like giving a blanket to a kid. <laughs> yeah. It'd be funny if Gordon if Gordon pictured the wrong kid, you know. <laughs> Thousands of kids he's helped in this terrible city. Yeah. But, uh, so many jackets. I've, I've given, like, the jacket is, like, the least thing that I ever do. <laughs> But I mean, at this point, 
we've already had a goodbye with Alfred, and so Gordon is kind of the last character who's been within this whole journey that we have this great emotional send-off, and he flies off. I watch that detonate over the horizon, and... Yeah, you're tell, tell yeah, you guys are just fucking fanboys. I am crying in the theater watching this and I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe they fucking did it. Kind of like when I saw the first trailer and they show the broken cowl and they're using Bane, I'm like, "Oh my god, I can't believe they're making this." They killed Buck. They fucking killed him. It hit me cuz it was emotionally powerful in the scene. But yeah. it also hit me just as a human being outside of the movie thinking that the creators of this film, that, oh my God, Christopher Nolan, you took it there. You actually killed him. You martyred him. This is the greatest fucking ending for a Batman trilogy I could have ever asked for. Holy fucking shit. And I, I could not contain, ha- just, I was feeling many, many, many things yeah. at that moment. And I, absolutely loved it so strike three for me again you follow it with fucking alfred pennyworth's heartbreaking i failed you monologue at the grave and then they throw all this little fucking shit at the very end the like oh lucius well who fixed the autopilot oh it says bruce wayne oh fuck and then though well the missing pearls on the manifest we better find those and then fucking oh you should use your real name robin and then fucking the <laughs> and then the goddamn the bat signal is repaired when gordon goes up on the roof to sulk oh shit it's there and then the cafe at the fucking end so it's like they give me the greatest ending i could have asked for i have fucking tears not just in my eyes coming down my fucking face i am so satisfied with the end of this movie and then they give you like bam 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 just kidding and i was pissed i i would have been bummed if batman died and i liked the ending that they presented to me that's what needed to happen he started this out hopeless alfred said this is what you want to happen right but he didn't go down in a fucking street fight with bane he went out saving every fucking buddy man like he he but also, I, why would you die if you were smart enough not to die? Because it was overwhelming. <laughs> you don't know. No, dude, he's smart enough to. He, no, I just he love that sentence. Like, I, I give that's the whole basis of the character is that he's so smart that he thinks don't kill him. That's fair. Well, I mean, like <laughs> Lucius, Lucius was like, no, no autopilot. You, you gotta be the guy. Blah. And then shows that like, yeah, he figured it out. I think it's super dope. I love the way this wraps up. I hate I'm, all I'm, of those I'm things. Right in between because I think they accomplished both goals. They killed Batman. Batman's dead and gone. They put up a statue to him. He's not in the city anymore. He's not going to Bruce Wayne Batman. Yeah, Batman is dead. Bruce Wayne lives. He goes on. My only problem with any of that is just that very last scene. I think it would have been way better if the end is when Michael Caine looks up and he makes a little face because he sees him. Yeah. That should have been the end. Cut right there. Yes. Don't flip to the B shot of just casual Christian Bale and Anne Hathaway sitting. Yeah. Just end with Michael Caine making a little look of expression in head. Then you don't know was it just in his head, was it real? But it probably was like yes, I would be more comfortable. That's what he wanted. If you take out the autopilot, if you take out the bat signal being back, if you take out those little things where they're just like spoon feeding, okay, stupid audience, okay, stupid audience, here, have another spoonful of this, have another bite of this, stupid audience. Oh yeah, we'd never do that to you, stupid audience. Don't worry about it. He's talking to you. 
It's the I mean, whole. He's just calling you that. I don't think you're stupid. He's <laughs> saying it though. Fuck you, Sam. <laughs> It's like the fucking, you know, the water mains guy at the end, you know, of Batman Begins, you know, it's just like, like, here you go, stupid audience, you know, like, they just, they don't trust the consumer enough in this case, and maybe, maybe that would have been a big uproar, and people would have, oh my god, you fucking killed him, oh, you know, whatever, but like, at least, the other way, oh, Batman survived, well, he didn't fix the autopilot. The pearls were still there. This movie's so fucking dumb. It doesn't... Ugh, oh, my God. Again, it cuts both ways, but I'm just saying, if you did keep the ambiguous Alfred, then you'd have to remove the other things that make it obvious. I think they should have just fucking killed him, had the goddamn funeral, and the Thomas and Martha home for the children, and that's the fucking perfect end to the movie, and he has given his wealth to help the next generation of struggling people. He has given his body, his life, for the fucking... Look at Evan's face. I know. <laughs> I know. He hates it. But I was like, and he's given his life to protect people from Bane. I mean, it's just, it's perfect on so many levels. And again, that was his purpose. You, We talked earlier about, oh, well, he's just holed up in his house. He's all pathetic. And then like, oh... He has something to fight for, something to believe in again, and he fulfills that. You think that that dude is going to have a happily ever after? Get the fuck out of here. Now that he met a beautiful woman who matches him in intellect and skill and cunning, now life is exciting again. Yeah, it's not like Selena Kyle's going to fucking dote on him and suck his cock every day, though. He doesn't want that. He's an insane person. He wants to get punched in the face and get <laughs> thrown off buildings. Billionaires <laughs> <laughs> get their wieners touched yeah. on a daily basis. That's like One, that's nothing to him. It blows my mind that you wanted Batman to die. That's like, <laughs> I, like I never thought that. Well, I never wanted uh, that going into it, but when it happened, I could not help but admire the balls of them taking such a big risk and wrapping it up in such a heavy way. Evan, you just have to talk over him. That's how we do it. I can't do that. <laughs> the balls that get so big in front of your face, the balls get so much smaller in front of your face. I learned how to talk over people from Sam. Because he was the first person more than a decade ago where I would be talking to him and he would just start talking over me. And I realized there's no malice behind it. That's just the way he converses. So you just do it. And then I'm not not offended in any way, nor am I like weak or anything. My parents instilled like polite conversation in me. You're polite. You're nice. You're considerate. I just talked and I listened at the end. I get too excited. I know, you get pumped up. It's good. I like it. I like Let's You had a second talk. point, though, and you talked over it. What was your second point? Um, one, I just can't believe that you were into Batman dying. Two, how is Shoemaker going to make a better movie than this if Batman dies? Because that just, like, sets a weird, you know, he has to be alive when Shoemaker makes another trilogy. You know, if Burton killed him off, we would have never had to sit through those movies. <laughs> That's true. Too bad he didn't do that. <laughs> too bad he didn't Like if they're sitting in the in the back and he's got Selena's cat on his lap and then the car just crashes because they're in the snow, and then then <laughs> the, the Batman Forever just doesn't happen. There's a Batman suit in here too. Yeah, he like tosses the cat at Alfred and Alfred gets in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, think fast, Alfred. <laughs> But I do like that him and Selena seem to have a relationship in the future. I think that that's cool. Because Bruce and Selena are this like eternal 
never gonna be together thing. They're just like always playing games with each other. I like that in this they propose a scenario that they could actually spend their lives together. It's cool. You're really gonna like when we get to Tom King. There's like a big, big chunk of it is just their relationship. That's Uh, awesome. They go on a double date with Lois Lane and Superman, but then their way to avoid people recognizing them in costume is that Superman wears Batman's costume and Batman wears Superman's costume. <laughs> wow. I, I, like a, I didn't like make a, that up. That's in the story. That no way, big, really? Cool. Like a cosplay four way orgy thing? Yeah. Okay, now I'm God, listening. I can't. Superman must be just like, just dicking it. Just, just crazy <laughs> dicking it. It's like the Bane cock on my action figure. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't know how Lois, as a human, can take his sun powered wiener. But that's mall rats. They had that whole thing about like. Wait, you think that Lois, a human woman, could take that? He's like, no, I bet he blows his load like a shotgun right through her back. <laughs> they, uh, I've never seen it. you never I seen Mallrats? No. Well, it's that's that's your fucking that's Indiana okay. Jones thing here, okay? The, the, pro was, the pro was written by, I think it's Garth Ennis. And Garth Ennis writes like super like edgy, uh-huh. extreme stuff. And a lot of it's good. Edge Lordy? Edge Lordy, I would say. Yeah, Edge Lords yeah. like Garth Ennis stuff. I like it. I'm not an edgelord. Don't get it mixed up. No, I know. But I know of Garth Ennis. It's like the main character is a prostitute, and I guess she, I don't know, she's giving the Superman character a blowjob for some reason. And at the last minute, he's like, no, oh, you got to get out of the way. And then he, <laughs> he, he ends up taking down an airplane. That's, <laughs> Wait. That's the beginning of this book. Wait, that happened? Yeah, that's in the beginning of the pro. He, he that just shoots, a, I thought he just that... shoots an airplane down with his wad. Yes. I thought that was an original idea in Hancock. Will Smith is fucking a girl, and he's like, okay, no, you got to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. And then he throws her. Like, I don't think it might have even been out the door of this, like, mobile home that they're in or RV or whatever. And then he busts off through the roof uh, that they're in. But he has to, like, throw her out of the way. We're going to have to do some research and check the dates. I think that was Dolan Garth Ennis. I read the pro a very long time ago. Interesting. Yeah, Big Willie is a is a real comic book fan. <laughs> <laughs> so the last scene that we should mention before we do our categories and wrap up here, there was the earlier conversation when John Blake gives Bruce a ride when he's bankrupt, and he says, you know, the idea was a Batman could be a symbol; it could be anybody. And so the film closes with him swinging into the cave. And literally rising as the title comes on the screen. Um, what do we think of Batman living on through John Blake, who just threw his badge into the river? I think that it's dope as a symbol, and that's really what in the comic it's like Bruce has to be Batman, but in the movies, especially, he is trying to talk about how the mask is important and the symbol is important and the person is irrelevant and therefore he doesn't need a Robin, he doesn't need a Nightwing, he doesn't need a Bat fan. Somebody just needs to be Batman in Gotham and I think that that's really cool. I don't like it. And you're wrong. (laughs) That's it. I like Justin Gordon-Levitt a lot. But his whole character in this movie I don't like. I think it's wasted time, wasted effort. And just the idea that, like... So when we see Bruce Wayne at the beginning of Batman Begins, he takes out, like, four guys in a fist fight. 
this is before he's trained with the ninjas on the mountain. This yep. is before any of that. He's already at that level before he gets the real elite training that makes him Batman. Robin is just like a cop, like a good cop, maybe really tough, maybe better. He, he kills that one guy with a ricochet bullet off the truck. That's, that's hard to do, I would think. I think he so did that good. by mistake, though, because he seemed, first of all, that was... He escalated that. He, that was like the worst cop shit he could have possibly done. I'm like, oh, two guys are fighting me. I better shoot them both. Like, I better shoot away from the both of them off into the distance. Yeah. yeah, but if it was John Wick, you would think it was intentional. Yeah, but no. He, that's just the way that they portray the character. Nah, he, he flipped him over, and he's asking him questions. He's like, no, tell me about... Oh, he's fucking dead. Whoops. Like... That was not a move. That was a whoops. Which supports my point. He's not enough. Or then when uh, when they're fighting in the alley and he's like, oh, you better get friends if you're going to fight more than one guy or whatever he says to him. It's like this guy can't do the Batman stuff. No. He, he could become that, but nothing leads me to believe he will. Like he, He's not going to go train with ninjas in, in the mountains of Asia. He's not going to do any of that stuff. Yeah. He's going to get killed on the first night. And where are his resources? guys. On a cop's yeah. salary, I mean, how is he going to yeah. afford... You, There's no more Bruce Wayne money. Yeah. I don't like it, it. I don't think it makes sense. I see what they're trying to do thematically, and it's fine. I don't. It's not a gripe for me, but it doesn't do anything for me. I think you guys are being massive, gaping buttholes. Wow, gaping. Is that bad? You didn't add a value judgment to that. You just described a <laughs> thing. Uh, that's true, actually, because I would normally consider <laughs> massive gaping balls a positive. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, so give me your Easter eggs, guys. Okay, so Wade Williams from Prison Break there you go. was the warden of the cell, and he was also the voice of Black Mask in Under the Red Hood. Cool, thanks. Well, I said that one earlier, Yeah, but Robin's partner who's trapped underground is also a guy who was in prison big. He was a guy above William Fitchner, the heat guy from oh. Dark Knight. He was like his superior. So was he the... I think they must have similar casting people. Was he the guy who gets shot and then grenaded when... The, <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's his character arc. Yeah, that guy should have been Batman. <laughs> like, if, any, if anybody could take a bullet and a grenade. <laughs> probably should be Batman. Actually, really just the minimum requirement for being Batman is like very low cartilage <laughs> in your legs like in your knees like that's cool that's actually what it just takes my easter eggs are the gentleman who plays officer dangle in reno 911 is the doctor wait you said it's it, a complaint no it's my easter egg oh okay okay yeah that dude was uh the this is awesome guy and uh i love yeah. you man thomas yep. lennon yep so he's dr dangle that's cool to me and I instantly pictured him in, like, stolen cowboy boots, so Dr. Dangle. And then, though I'm not totally familiar, I'm just familiar enough, when they do the stadium scene with the football game, I'm sure that they used actual football players when they're doing, like, the panning shots of the players, but the only guy that I recognized is on the Gotham team, number seven, is Ben Roethlisberger, mm. and... I recognize him because quarterbacks usually get quite a lot of shine, but for all I know, a lot of those dudes, when they're panning the sidelines, are actually football players. It seems like the running back would have been somebody, too. Like yeah. The guy who survives and turns around and looks. I imagine so. He's just the only person I recognize. That reminds me of, uh, if you're playing bingo, Bad Religion. It's Lord Joker. 
No, I'm reading the Bad Religion book that just came out, and they talk about playing this show, I think in Germany or somewhere on their European tour, and half of the main floor collapses. So they're playing with maybe a thousand people in the room, and he said a hundred of them just fall into this fucking pit. Kind of like when the, that shot of the stadium, but that happened while they were fucking on stage. That's crazy. Yeah. Nobody died. Wow. Good. <laughs> I know you want every story to end in death, Sam, but this one didn't. I would say disappointing slash good. <laughs> All right, I'm going to rattle off some shit. Bane disguised yeah. as random prisoner, same way that Roz pretended to be Ducard and Joker was behind the mask. Uh, the St. Swithin's Boys Home. We read Nightfall. That's going to be our next episode. St. Swithin's was the hospital. Let's oh. see. Blake meets Bruce and asks if they had seen any giant alligators. And obviously that's a reference to Killer Croc, but Killer Croc being significant in the Nightfall story with Bane's introduction. That's also a sewer thing in general, though, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's how I took it, and I think that's how it would play for most of the audience, but in watching it while I was in the middle of reading Nightfall again, I was like, oh yeah, Croc's in this significantly, though. Seen a ninja teenage... John Daggett being um, inspired by Roland Daggett, who was a common business criminal in the animated series. Uh Selena and Holly's apartment being in Old Town, much like year one. I do like that. Bruce and Selena at the masquerade dance. It was just like Michelle Pfeiffer and Keaton. Let's see, Miranda uses the lines restore balance and do what is necessary which are Ra's al Ghul lines from Begins but does she use them after we know she's taller or does she use them earlier in the movie well I believe they're earlier I don't remember when I wrote it down anyway um, the romantic fireplace scene with Miranda after his power is taken out is sort of like the one with Selena in Returns to the extent that he even finds a scar on her body that she kind of shies away from. Bane gives AK-47s to all the prisoners he's breaking out, just like he did in Nightfall at Arkham. The John Blake, you missed a spot. Batman kicks a dude in the face. It's sort of like the table gag in the beginning of Phantasm. And then I already mentioned the thing with the gauntlets being the weapon of choice for the big bad in every one of these. How about prose, you guys? What do you got for prose? Nothing that I haven't spoken of. This movie is just gorgeous. It's visually exciting to watch. And even if I was tired of the story, it's nice to look at. And I'm not tired of the story. I agree. The quality just goes up. It's exactly what I would think what would happen from the same director three movies later, who's only been more fully endorsed. I think it's super dope. Catwoman. I love Catwoman. Yeah, I think... Catman, yeah. Yeah, Catman is awesome. Yeah, I love, I love Catman. He, she is so hot. <laughs> they. Yeah, they are so hot. I just think that Anne Hathaway is a spot-on Catwoman. The new cast members in general, her and Tom Hardy, Ben Mendelsohn, I mean, everybody they bring in does a great job. This has a very epic feel to it. I love the scope of it. You know, trying to do No Man's Land, trying to do this long arc of Bane's takeover. Bruce's rise and then fall and then rise again. I mean, there's so much going on. I think they do a great job of pacing that. It's very long, 
but they really do their best to make it flow and keep you engaged. I was not as tired in this as I was watching Dark Knight. Yeah. I think it's interesting to watch something that's intended as a two-movie series or a three-movie series directed by the same director. It's just really interesting, like, even given the fact that, like, would Joker have played a part? Yes. He couldn't have, you know? And that's a real life seeping its way into cinema and your job. But it's cool to me, like, your story isn't complete until it's three movies. Yeah. It's not one movie. It's not even two movies. It's three movies. And so the first needs to sort of lead into the second and so on, you know. I think this makes, like, a very cool culmination of three movies that are actually like a single piece. Yeah. That's very cool to me. That's a lot of vision and that's a lot of time. That's a lot of art. And that's a lot of your life devoted to what is more or less like a single piece of art. You've pointed out something great because how rare is it that we do this without new directors, new studio executives, new stars. I mean, aside from Maggie Gyllenhaal and losing Ledger, I mean, this is a very, very cohesive story from start to finish. And again, I think that it being that statement of one auteur's vision over three films, that was part of the reason I was so on board for Batman dying at the end, because it doesn't, the other two leave it open-ended. Yeah, open and closed. You know, and this one would be an actual conclusion yeah. You know, and so it does leave it open-ended as to, oh, well, they they live in Europe now, and they're not crime fighters. What do they do now? You know, and so I, I just, I like the idea that how amazing it was to actually have one person take us all the way through this story and give us the conclusion he wanted. And you know what? That is the conclusion he wanted, so, you know, that's fine with me. So in your face, Sammy Warmings. Yep. Yeah, suck my butt, Sam. Oh, yeah, and the music. I forgot. I have to shout out Hans Zimmer. I think the music got even better in this one. Yeah. Cons? I don't know if it's a con, but there's a funny shot. And it kind of makes me think of the way you guys described Italia Algo death scene, where Matthew I, Modine... I was spotted. I was spotted. <laughs> fully, fully standing in the street. And I guess there's like a shot of him like running at something or shooting somebody and he's in his uniform. And then they cut to interior... Italia. Tell you, I'll go inside the tumbler and just like shoot them. Shoot, shoot them, them all. all. Yep. And then they just cut back to it's like Matthew Modine just laying on the ground. Yeah. And the camera just like quickly pans over to him and focuses on his face and cuts away. Not only is that silly because they missed the scene of him dying, I just imagine them on set like, okay, Matthew, so get on the ground. Can you twist your leg a little more though? Just, you know, like bend it, bend it. Okay, okay, now close your eyes. Okay, no. We're just gonna swing the camera over. Okay, perfect. We're good. Okay. See you. Okay, <laughs> you're more dead. dead. More dead. Yeah. It's just weird. Kind of a con, but just a weird thing altogether. There's a weird shot that I don't like where they have Bruce and Lucius. He says, you know, normally these conversations would end with a request. And he's like, why don't I show you something anyway, right? And he opens up the secret passage. But the camera hangs on him for a long time. And he's just grinning, like, right, right this way as it opens up. And he's just staring, staring, staring. 
And then finally says, just for old time's sake. And it's not that the line is bad. It's just they let it hang for so long with the goofy grin on his face. I'm like, that should have already ended, and then it would have been more effective. It's such a short film. They had to pad out, you know, take the the time and you can get it. Morgan Freeman's going to get his jokes, okay? He's got to have that in his contract. I only thought that, granted, none of us, myself included, are experts on this stuff, but they're transporting this, like, nuclear (laughs) hydrogen bomb reactor thing in, like, a semi-truck, and they're, like, romping around in this truck, and how is this thing not exploding? Like, I don't know how this shit is contained. I don't know, I don't know how a reactor works. I don't know how this nuclear bomb thing works, but it's not rattled by all this shit that's going on, including Talia's, like, drive off the overpass into the underpass, not affected by any of that. Apparently, it's not rattled by any of that. Apparently, that doesn't matter. So it's like, Incredibly destructive, incredibly fragile, but also incredibly protected at the same time. Cool, not affected. And Gordon is in the back the whole time. He crawls out totally. He's fine. And <laughs> falling down that other level would have totally killed him. Oh my god! Like you'd be, you'd be like the jackass roller skate in the back of the moving <laughs> <Yeah>. truck. <laughs> you'd be like bouncing all over the place. So Gordon would be so messed up, he couldn't fall out of the truck. I'm surprised that the reactor made it to the very end. That's very cool. It's funny because I didn't look back to watch the other ones and see how Bale's voice was generated Bane's voice is like overdub yeah. because it rides over the top of everything else so much the clarity overrides everything that it can't volume. yes exactly like it can't be a boom mic it's not in the room and and I'm not saying I'm, I, I don't hate Bill's voice as Batman but what is it like what am I hearing what's making the sound because it doesn't sound generated it doesn't sound like an effect like what am i hearing then when you get to the very end and he's flying his craft out to the bay you get these front on shots and you see the underside of his nose and his nose is plugged and i realized what that yeah it's not it's flat at the bottom he doesn't have nostrils oh yeah yeah but having used snorkels in the past. Something his, which you are an expert in. No, I'm not an expert, but I've used snorkels in the past. <laughs> what your voice sounds like while plugged, when you're not able to use your nose, like when you use snorkels, is what his Batman voice <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> so like his voice is just generated by like the inability to actually use your nose holes in your voice at all. And that's what contributed to his his Batman voice. I thought it was like somehow generated by something else. Maybe it is, but it's like your nose is the plug nose clogging up what he's saying, and you can't. But it is though. Like listening back to it, it sounds restrained by something, and the restraint is that his nose isn't available for his voice. Like I'd have to look back at the other two movies, but I think that it's just his nose holes being plugged and not available for his actual voice. 
art from adversity. You know, you take limitations and you turn them into strengths. And I was trying really hard to not cut you off, and so I, I thought you were still on the uh, points about the nuke. <laughs> and uh, then I was like, oh, no, this is taking a different turn. But you reminded me of Fight Club, where even Tyler Durden is like, whoa, you're shooting at a fucking bomb. You know, like at the end when Jack snaps and he's trying to shoot Tyler, he's in the parking garage in front of the van that's full of explosives. Yeah. And like even the figment of his imagination is going, whoa, 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 stop, don't fucking shoot at this. Meanwhile, you have Batman flying around in the bat shooting at the semi with the nuke in it that Gordon's also in trying to yeah. get them to, no, turn this way. That's fine. I have a argument against and for that. So I don't know how it works with regular explosives, but I think it's somewhat similar. But like with the whole idea of a nuke is that you need an extreme. I think you need fission before you have fusion or one way or the other. Yeah. So the amount of energy you need to set it off is also huge. Oh, okay. So just like shooting it or bumping it isn't gonna break, or even throwing it around is not gonna set it off. It's Except more about science. Yeah, you need an extreme amount of energy to set this yeah. off. But the whole idea behind this bomb is that it's decaying and becoming unstable on its own true so by this time when there's only 10 minutes left maybe driving it off a bridge will blow it up you know <laughs> like, i don't i don't know anything about nukes either maybe not, like, maybe not. It's, it's unstable at the end so i can see it either way no i think you're right like in the case of um projectiles that are triggered by impact this is not like not only is it a timed bomb but like the substance is not triggered by it's like I exploded, you know, uh, yeah. or even shaking it. Sure. Well, and Ben, you touched on something, too, that hadn't occurred to me. They talk about how it becomes less stable and it will detonate itself anyway. Is this an exact science down to the second, though? Like, that they could <laughs> they put that <laughs> on a timer? <laughs> like, that's kind of weird, actually. When did they install the timer? It was just supposed to be a power source. When did somebody install a bomb timer on it that's measuring? Maybe Pavel did it. Or maybe it was like a security feature. Like if you were to remove it for any reason, you better get it. You got to get it back together well before this timer goes down, Uh, you know? All right. uh, Not. All right. Detective time. No. All right. Trifecta time. (laughs) Trifecta. Detective. What do we have here? He immediately goes to look at his safe after Catwoman's robbed it. Not only is he dusting for fingerprints, but he's realizing that he's dusting for her dusting for fingerprints. Yeah, that's what I like, is that he's actually reverse engineering her dusting for prints. That was my only note here in Detective as well, of like, I thought that was really inventive. Well, I think the biggest one is Lucius trusting him and trusting him correctly to be smart enough and skilled enough to repair the autopilot on this extremely advanced prototype jet. Oh, I thought you said he wasn't smart in these movies. Listen, I say a lot of things. <laughs> Consistency is not guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the detective stuff, because the rest of it is... He, he guesses who Bane is, and he's wrong. So he's not detective <laughs> yeah. very well there. That's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ninja. He gets himself in fighting shape after really traumatic injuries. Yeah, yeah, he's- being locked in a prison. He's badass, but I don't think it's pretty much on par with as badass as he's been portrayed in the last two movies. I think it's mostly his will 
more than his fighting prowess or his uh, sneaking around or anything. I think it's mostly just that fucking heart that yeah, he's got. Yeah, incorporate that in the ninja because that's like kind of the warrior, the overall warriorness of him. For sure. And his ability to heal his spinal column <laughs> <laughs> without the aid of an actual doctor. Well, you know, the repelling out of the hospital window, that was pretty ninja. Oh, true. Going from one room to the lower room to get to him. That's also he just typical. He threw smoke bombs to no avail. <laughs> but he threw poison batarangs at all those guards, which is way better Ooh. than Jumping to the ground, jumping to the ground, and fighting two of them while three of them stand around him and then throw themselves to the ground afterwards. I forgot about that though. That's some like Batman the animated series shit of like the tranquilizer darts. Yeah, that part though, his voice is so loud. He says something to Gordon, and I was like, "Where is this voice coming from?" He's and got his the- mouth around Gordon's ear. You're right, though. This movie has a little bit of what they did in The Dark Knight, where they super saturate and compress Batman's voice. And it's I, quite loud. I think in The Dark Knight, it's more annoying and stands out. But in this one, you have Bane is so, like you said, just larger than life with the overdubs that, you, you know, it works more in this context. It fills in line with their lingo shadows intimidation training. Yeah. Trauma? Just the overall trauma of his life and like being a failure or being purposeless by the beginning of this movie. Yeah. I mean, you see then, that, that everything that happened with Joker and Two-Face really just ruined him as a person. To me, it seems like a new trauma anyways because we're dealing with a Batman who's been Batman for a little bit, but even in the second half of the movie or whatever it is, it's like trauma incurred by Bane and healing from the trauma from that. It's like, whatever, whatever led up to Bane, Bane busted me, now I'm repairing from Bane in order to conquer that thing. Yeah, I think really the only thing that... Is destroying Gotham, and the whole thing he's been doing this entire time is to save Gotham and bring it back and protect it. And so he's bringing all of that back, kind of bringing him to square one, and they just he can't accept that. That's why he has to do a bunch of push-ups and sit-ups and climb out of the hole because he just can't let it happen. The only thing we really lose is that in the prison, there's only so much you can really show to give him an arc. You know? Yeah. I mean, this movie starts with the trauma being the aftermath of the previous film and then everything after the nightfall sequence where he's broken is like you said a, a psychological trauma a physical trauma couldn't save harvey he couldn't well, save rachel he kind of saved word. gotham but then bane stolen from him now he's not even saving gotham and it's just going to be like with Razo gulwana but it's even worse than it was the first time he's just failed completely and again, we're not watching a single movie. We're watching what's intended as a trilogy. So I don't need you to show me his trauma over and over and over because it's not the new inception of like a new writer or a new director. If anything, his trauma should have existed in the very beginning of it. And now I'm seeing the conclusion of all that shit. So what about just a couple more tasteful shots of pearls dropping in slow <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yelling and tears, that would have made it more real for me. That's 
like my daily life, so that would have made it more real. <laughs> uh, rating? Four, realistically. I would have said three five years ago, but I say four now, I guess. What would you have said coming out of the theater? <laughs> five. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, wait. When the future, Ben. Oh, yeah. Present, Ben. How would you have felt then? Wait, before, so before future, Ben's wager. <laughs> oh, my God. Five. It was a five when I left the theater, but, like, as a critical look at the movie, it's like a four. But as I said, like, I mean, I was less, I wasn't bored watching The Dark Knight, but it just is so long, and I didn't have that feeling at all watching this one. And it's 20 minutes of, longer. Yeah. I'm going to say a four, though, having watched the movie after I read the book, I was like, it felt like sweet relief after reading the comic. Wow. <laughs> We'll get to that later. Um, yeah, there was no. I noticed in this movie there was Bane didn't have a henchman that carried a bird around with it. <laughs> that was, yeah, it was the Falcons. It was yeah, yeah. True fans know that bird is the essential Bane <laughs> sidekick henchman. Well, yeah, there was no frog. <laughs> yeah, where's zombie? I was looking for a frog the whole time. I'm gonna go with a four and a half. I think four is quite fair, but being that most of my issues with the movie are really in the last like 15 minutes that is two and a half hours of almost perfect movie for me and uh for as much as i like it i just i want to give it that little extra so it's it's four and a half for me um i think in many ways it's the best one but then it falls apart so quickly that it has the legacy of being the worst one and there's no movie to come after it to fix the errors or problems yeah exactly so yeah, that's the gist. Um, before we wrap up, I just wanted to make special mention of this movie will always be tied to the attack on the theater in Aurora at the premiere. I just wanted to acknowledge the victims and survivors of that. No one should ever have to go through something like that when they're just trying to go and uh, watch some heroes duke it out and distract us from our problems. So I will always think of them when i watch this movie and <laughs> shit i think of them every time i go to the theater honestly to this day and they put that warning up in the beginning in case of fire or other emergency i'm like can you not say that we know what it means you know <laughs> look for your exits but it's like that fucking is terrible and um i feel for them a lot so shout out to aurora this is robin Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much, as always. Now, this is the part where I generally tell you what's coming up, but first, ask for your help. That's right, we do need your help spreading the word. I also ask for you to go over to iTunes on your app and give us a five-star rating. Today, while I was editing, I saw that pretty recently we got a one-star because of my language. I say fuck a lot. We tell dick jokes. It's who we are as people. We're just having fun. We do this for ourselves to have a good time. So if you want to help us raise that back up to a five, just jump over to your app real quick. Hit that five-star rating. We appreciate it. We will be back with... The source material for The Dark Knight Rises, the origin of Bane, that's right, Nightfall. Stay tuned.